0: Alrighty, Jane, what's happening?
1: I'm here. I'm you so are excited. here. You made it. I I'm excited it. too.
0: Thanks for doing this. Appreciate yeah. it. So, your story is a very fascinating story. Um, you got a brain injury and you decided to make a game to help your brain recover.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, what led you to even attempt something like that? I've never heard of anything like that in the past.
1: Well, I had been designing games professionally and researching them for 10 years by the time I hit my head. And it was not my first instinct. Oh, I have a brain injury, let me make a game. But, you know, about a month into the recovery, I wasn't getting any better. I was really depressed and anxious. Uh, I, I mean, I was, it was like the lowest point of my life. And I knew from my research that when we play games, you know, we have more optimism, we're more determined, we're better able to ask people for help, right, to team up with us, be your allies. And I just figured, well, uh, this is like the worst I've ever felt in my life. Maybe if I can bring some of that gameful spirit to recovery, I could kind of jumpstart my brain back into healing.
0: So what was the nature of your injury?
1: Uh, I mean, it, was, it started out as just a normal concussion. And How did you get it? Uh, so this is my public service announcement <laughs> for the okay. episode. I was standing up from underneath an open cabinet, and I'm a runner, so I have really strong legs, and I was just in a hurry, and I was just full force right up into the corner of the cabinet, um, hit my head, and it was like classic, you know, my husband was joking around, you know, who's the president, and I couldn't remember who the president was. And I was like, oh, shit, that, that really really bad. Yeah, After all could- you got
0: hit in the head, you couldn't remember... This is Barack Obama. This it was. was. Not-
1: and all I could remember was it's not George Bush anymore. <laughs> but I couldn't remember who it was. <laughs>
0: wow. So just standing up and hitting the edge of the cabinet, was it an, uh, an open cabinet door? It was an door? open
1: cabinet. So this is, the PSA is, you know, shut cabinet doors. Because apparently, now I've now learned after this happened to me that this happens to a lot of people. And you can get a, a serious uh, head injury as like a football player by doing this. So... Wow
0: Wow. So just standing up. So you stood up quick. Bam. Yeah, uh-huh. Whacked your head. Did yeah. you go unconscious? Or I did, did not you, go no?
1: unconscious. You know, I saw stars and everything. But, you know, a lot of concussions, it takes a few hours. The brain starts to swell, and it's not mm-hmm. till later that day that you really start to feel like something's really wrong. So... Um,
0: Is that what happened to you?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it it was there's no internal bleeding or anything. Um, And so, you know, the doctor said, oh, you'll be fine. And, you know, give it a week, uh, maybe a couple weeks. I come back after a month, they tell me, oh, you know, some people, if it doesn't heal in the first month, it takes three months. And if it doesn't heal in three months, it might be a year. And if it's not a year. Maybe you're stuck like this forever.
0: Were you experiencing the classic symptoms, like you couldn't like stare at the sun? The sunlight would bother your eyes. Loud noises. Oh,
1: I mean all light. Like if I, I, I would try to go into like a, a Whole Foods. The fluorescent lights would feel like I was like under fire from weapons. I mean, I could. I was. I was in bed basically for three months. Everything like all stimulus would make me nauseous and um, migraines and everything. So it was it so it started out normal concussion but then it's kind of unraveled into what they call post concussion syndrome, which is um, which is a thing that I didn't know existed. But a lot of people the concussions take up to a year to heal.
0: Yeah, they can well, I uh, from working for the UFC I've mm-hmm. seen people that neglect those. Yes. And it, it gets really ugly. And yeah. I've also seen people that were great fighters. There's a guy named T J. Grant who was in line for a UFC title shot. Uh, Got a concussion um, Not even from getting kicked or punched. It was from uh, a grappling Mm -hmm. exchange just bonked his head on something I I believe it was somebody's knee Mm -hmm. or someone's hip or something like that and then Was never the same again and has never fought again, and it's been like I think almost two years
1: Yeah, and I mean that's something I've gotten actually pretty active in the research community and trying to Share information so it turns out like the first week of recovery uh, can really determine if you're going to go into this extended, you know It's gonna take you three months six months a year um, If you're not if you're not resting enough in that that first week
0: So the first week it's critical that you just do nothing
1: I mean they, they call it cognitive rest and basically you want to not do anything that is that feels difficult For you and so for me, I couldn't read I could only watch TV shows. I'd already seen before because having to process plot new plot was not uh was not helpful so i was watch- wow. like re-watching buffy the vampire slayer because i'd seen <laughs> them all like a million times um and it's so, and yeah you know keep the lights off if they you know keep sunglasses on indoors um but the first 48 hours and then after that the first week uh if you can avoid over stressing your brain you have a much better chance to recover within the one to two week period. as That's opposed to people. Yeah. And people don't know. People like they tried to go. I tried to go right back to work. I was in the middle of writing my first book and it was due in a couple months. And I'm like, I can't miss my deadline. I've got to do this. I got to power through. I mean, I can barely, I'm like, can't even see the screen. And, but you're, when you're, you know, when you have a concussion, you're not thinking clearly. You are not a rational person. You're, you're just like, I have to do this. I have to try. And other people will look at you and be like, what's wrong with you? You are... You know totally out of it why are you trying to work but you're not you don't have that same kind of rational decision-making ability so sometimes you know a friend or you know a loved one needs to take you aside and say I'm not letting you do anything for this first week you've just got to let your brain heal."
0: and this is uh, correct me if I'm wrong but it's relatively new our understanding of what takes place after a concussion and what you have to do to recover
1: mm-hmm yeah no there's just last year there was a big study that came out showing that four months after a concussion, your your brain is still different. There's still, uh, it's like a kind of a scarring that happens, uh, like a scab, um, that that certain parts of the brain will still be thickened um, for months after. Even if you think you're feeling fine, which means that you're still vulnerable, you know, if you were to get... It again, it would be more dangerous. And, um, and if you're still feeling symptoms after four months, you know, that's why it's like when you, you know, cut yourself open and you get the scab, uh, you can't be picking at the scab by doing things that are triggering your symptoms. Yeah.
0: Wow. So who was it that told you you got to settle down?
1: Oh, well, my, you know, my doctor said that. And of course, I'm a, I mean, I'm a science geek. That's I have a PhD. It's like my background. Um, and I was having my husband, Google, do Google Scholar searches for traumatic brain injury research because I couldn't use the computer. It's like, you got to figure out, is this normal? I'm like, I started feeling suicidal. That was, uh, that was new for me. And I'm like literally having him Google suicidal thoughts Jesus. concussion because I'm like, is this, am I really suicidal? Like, am I rationally thinking I'm never going to be able to work again? My husband's going to have to take care of me. I should just end it, which is what I was The voices in my head were saying, but it didn't feel, you know, that didn't feel like myself. And so fortunately, he was finding articles like, wait, one in three people with a concussion have suicidal thoughts. And that is actually a reaction to the neurochemistry. Um, When you have a concussion, you don't have dopamine in the reward pathway, reward pathways, which means your brain can't anticipate anything good in the future. You become like completely unable to imagine That you'll feel better that good things will happen for you and that's just like a perfect neurochemical foundation for suicide
0: so you were able to remember how you used to think and so you knew this is not the way i think
1: yeah i mean it was i had i had like a i was able to distance myself a little bit from the thoughts where you know i would i would i you know because i was just at home i wasn't going anywhere i would say to my husband like i feel like i have this voice that's saying, you know, you should kill yourself. And I would, I would talk about it because I didn't, it, I mean, I think if you talk about it, it, it becomes less, you know, this feeling that you have that you have to really believe and, and more like the thing that you can look at and try to figure out. And right. um, and, uh, and, so it was like, it just felt so weird to me because I'm like, why? I don't know. I had never, I never had that before. Um, and once I knew that it was a symptom of concussion rather than, oh, Jane has figured out that her life is terrible and logically she wants to kill herself. I was able to live with it. And, you know, the research literature says they go away as the brain heals. So I just thought, okay, and, you know, it might still, I might still hear that voice for, you know, a few weeks or a few months, but I know that that's a symptom of healing and not how it actually feels. So I'm just going to get on with it
0: now is there medication that you can take while this is going on anything that speeds up the healing or anti-inflammation medication or right so nutrients?
1: this is this is what's so hard about post concussion syndrome is there's nothing that's been shown to speed it up I mean I was offered really powerful anti-anxiety meds depression meds um, I chose not to take them because I just didn't want to go down that road I'd never taken them before yeah. um, and uh and there's no known therapies people have tried to do like oxygen deep oxygen therapy and like
0: hypobaric chambers yes that kind of yeah thing. yeah
1: um did you try any of that i did not try that um but uh actually this is a sort of very exciting for me um i because there's no good treatment for this when my game worked so well for me and i so other people started using it, it worked well for them we were able to get a grant from the nih to test this with young athletes um, through Ohio State University Medical Research Center, we just released our findings last week that the game that I invented did improve the post concussion syndromes and one hundred percent of the people who used it uh, compared to only fifty percent of people who didn't didn 't wow. play so this is one of i mean this is one of the first validated. Treatments that can you know reduce the headaches and the nausea and the confusion and the you know difficulty So
0: how did you get to the point where you wanted to experiment with a game you were you're? Recovering slowly like I mean how slow is this taking like how many months? Afterwards were you still kind of
1: well it was 34 days which I will I will never I don't like it It was it's emblazoned into my memory 34 days after I hit my head um that I was, I mean, I was completely desperate. I mean, I I literally was saying to myself, I'm going to kill myself or I'm going to turn this into a game because, I mean, I was... (laughs) Those two
0: options are so strange.
1: (laughs) I know, but... You might be the only person in
0: human history that's ever said that. I'm going to kill myself (laughs) or I'm going to turn this into a game. Yes,
1: yes. Well, you know, so I was in the middle of writing my first book, which was all about the psychology of games. And I just thought to myself, I should, I got to prove it. You know, I'm writing this book saying that playing games makes us happier and stronger and more resilient. I got to prove this theory. I mean, there's all other kinds of proof in the book, but I'm like, I'm going to live it. Um, and, And and that was just I just I didn't know how else to provoke the positive emotions. And when we play games and there's a whole list of positive emotions. That we feel when we play games like curiosity and uh, excitement and awe and wonder and pride and it's just like i gotta get some of these emotions because my doctor had said the more depressed and anxious you are that can actually slow down the healing process it is actually uh detrimental right if you if you fuel if you can feed the depression and anxiety
0: detrimental in in terms of measurable effects or detrimental in terms of the way you feel like
1: that that from uh the brain's ability to heal, mm-hmm. the, the neurochemistry of depression is not conducive to that.
0: So, literally, being depressed can slow down the physical healing yes. of the brain itself.
1: Yes. And, wow. and so so they're like, you know, so try not to worry. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. I know. I was like, <laughs> I, I can't get out of bed. My books do. I can't write. My husband had lost his job a few months earlier. And I'm like, I may never work again. I'm going to be like a barista now. This is like maybe if I can stand, you know. The light. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh,
0: so the 34 days. Yeah. What, what is the 34 days were when it was at its worst? Is that?
1: It just, I mean, it just... Everyone kept saying, oh, you'll be fine in a few days. You'll be fine in a few weeks. And then I went and saw my doctor after 30 days. And then the doctor said, "Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, some people don't get better in a month. Those people, it often takes three months. And uh, for people who don't get better in three months, then it often takes a year. And if you're not better in a year, then you might be like this forever. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) It just, it, it made me, it kind of freaked me out.
0: So did you experiment with things during this time, like wh- wh- when you were researching?
1: I mean, lit- the only thing that I really experimented with was uh, trying to eat things with, uh, like, omegas, you know, omega-3, omega-6, which are supposed to be good for for brain healing. And-, and there is some scientific literature on that where, I mean, doctors will say eat walnuts, you know. During- walnuts? Yeah, because that's a good, like— uh, it's 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 available. You chew them up real good. It's I mean, I suppose to taking like a capsule, you can absorb things better from food. Mm-hmm. And
0: what does is, what it's walnut walnuts it's
1: omega like omega three, 3 omega mm-hmm. six um, fatty acids better acid. than fish oil? Uh, I'm one of those weird vegans. So. Oh,
0: how dare you! <laughs> <I know. laughs> what about uh hemp oil? Does that have yeah hemp? Hemp
1: is good. Hemp is really good too. Yeah, but at the time, I don't know. The only thing I could kind of get it together to do. Was
0: walnuts mm, okay? So. <laughs> so walnuts were it. Yeah. Have, you, do, you know who Bill Romanowski is?
1: Uh, what do I with that name? Football.
0: Well, he's a football player. Uh, he was a famous football player, and uh, he suffered a lot of concussions, mm-hmm. and created something called Neuro One, and uh, it's a a nootropic blend, mm-hmm. and um, he created it to deal with uh, some of the symptoms that he had had, or some of the repercussions mm-hmm. from all the head trauma that he had. Uh, yeah, so, I, there, so I was wondering if you'd ever tried anything. Along I have those lines. not.
1: I know there are a lot of that sort of nutraceutical, like interest in experimenting with that. I did not try that
0: because of the dopamine. I was wondering, like yeah. serotonin is yeah. uh, like five HTPs, really yep. good for yeah rebuilding serotonin or building blocks of serotonin. Yeah,
1: I didn't get it together to try any of that. So
0: you were just really struggling.
1: <laughs> I was, I was struggling. I mean, I would, I would like, I would sit on the bathroom floor and like cry for hours. But quietly. Like, I didn't want my husband to freak out. Oh, nice. (laughs)
0: Very polite in your depression. (laughs) It seems counterintuitive to someone who doesn't know anything like me that you're saying that you could only watch, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer because you would already seen it before, but playing a game, like, isn't part of... Yeah. yeah, so stimulating,
1: right? No, and actually, I couldn't play video games. I would try to play like Peggle. I was, I was like, Peggle, Peggle will be easy. It's like a, it's like a kind of pinball game uh, where you shoot little pinballs around, and pop pegs, and it's, uh, and they play like the Hallelujah chorus every level you complete. So it's like, yay, I'm, I'm successful. They're like playing a parade for me. Right. Uh, I'm like that'll, I'm like that'll really help, help me. Um, but even that was too stimulating. Um, mm. So I couldn't play video games. So the game I invented was not. A video game, I mean we did eventually make an app and a web version so people could could other people could play, but it was more uh, like just a set of rules that I would follow um, you know like you wouldn't like oh how do you play hide and seek or how do you play poke just like learn the rules and play uh, so I just started making up rules for myself about doing things that you would do in a video game like collecting power ups or Spotting like making a list of the bad guys and all the ways like where they would show up and what my strategies were for fighting them and um, Coming up with a quest list. So like what's something I can do in the next 24 hours to feel better Uh, like something concrete that I can accomplish and so just starting to approach my recovery with these really concrete gameful strategies um, and really, the, the you know, the first thing I did was I adopted this secret identity, like my avatar. I was going to have an avatar <laughs> in my recovery. And that was Jane the concussion slayer because I'm like, oh, I'm going to be like Buffy. And Buffy did not choose to be the slayer, right? Like they just told her, you're the slayer. You have to save the world. And I'm like, I did not choose to hit my head. So I'm going to be like her and just rise to the heroic occasion um, and kind of try to tap into my you know, sense of determination and Being a badass,
0: (laughs) and so what did you do? Like after you took on this persona or uh, adopted the idea of this avatar, like what did you do? Like what were your power ups? Like who were the bad guys? Yeah,
1: Um, and bad guys were anything that would trigger my symptoms. Um, So you know, bright lights, a crowded space, um, you know, conversation. I mean, everything. Um, But the thing with with bad guys, and like you know, in a video game, like oh, there's there's a monster. You don't run away. You got to figure out how you're going to tackle it or get past it. So, and the same is true with recovery from any kind of injury or illness. You have to keep testing the limits, right? Because otherwise you wind up never getting better. You're kind of convinced that you're just flat on your back forever. And this is sort of an aside, but as I was doing all the research for this new book, I found out that the number one predictor of disability after a back injury is avoiding things that make your back hurt early on during recovery. So you would think like, oh, you have to, you know, don't, don't do anything that will make your back worse. But the longer you keep that mindset, that's the number one predictor of who becomes chronically disabled, you're not able to work or their, their life is affected in a major way. And it's not the severity of the injury, it's not the severity of the pain. Um, and so with all kinds of injury and illness now, because you get stuck in that pattern. You never really-
0: contest. So you get stuck thinking yourself is injured.
1: Yes, yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's like, but with all of these things, it's a careful balance. So you have to recognize that the bad guys are bad. I can't, I can't go out and be in a crowded space for three hours. I can't go to like a Lady Gaga concert, which I really wanted to do. I'm like, you're not gonna do that. <laughs> uh, I said that as kind of like a, I'm like the next time she comes through, that'll be like one of my epic wins when I can go see her. Um, but, like, you can do little things to test. Let me go into the Whole Foods and see how many minutes I can make it before the symptoms come back. So you're kind of, like, testing. Oh, today it was 30 seconds. I got to leave. Maybe next week it'll be five minutes. And then you kind of start to get your life back because you don't want to get on that course towards seeing yourself as, as kind of chronically disabled. So so that's, you know, I, you come up with these ways to, to battle the bad guys, you know, every day. And in the version that we tested with the NIH that's the game is activate three power ups a day so for me that might have been eating walnuts or like cuddling my my dog because that made me feel like safe and happy so anything that provokes a positive emotion if you're depressed you have to really find what are the things that can get through that depression and and still make you feel good so you know i'd cuddle my dog i'd eat walnuts do you do three of those a day one bad guy battle a day where you really test the limits to see if you're getting better. Um, And one quest a day, which is the smallest possible thing you can do that will kind of move you in the direction of your goal or recovery or just feel like something productive that you want to do. So I remember one time I, my quest, I decided to bake cookies uh, for the baristas at the coffee place down the stairs. I'm like, I, I, because I felt like I couldn't do anything for myself. So I'm like, I'm going to bake cookies for someone else today. And uh, as a result, randomly, I wound up getting free coffee for a year because they were like, <laughs> "Could not believe somebody came like down with this giant plate of like cookies fresh out of the oven." Um, but I did not ex- did not expect that. Um, but that was just like you know, find one thing I can do today that will have a positive impact, um, and that's that's the sort of there's other stuff you know in the game, but that's sort of the main. You're you're basically using game game models to kind of structure your life to make sure that you're staying engaged, not hiding, you know, actually making progress to getting better.
0: This sounds really difficult. Like like more difficult than I think most people would ever imagine recovering from a concussion would be. I think most people would think that I wouldn't don't want to say most people. Let me just say what I would think. I haven't had a concussion I don't think since I was probably 20. Mm-hmm. And I would think that what it would be like would be like, oh, my head feels like shit. Let me just lie down here, I'll put ice on my head, I'll watch TV or something, I'll just go to, I'll take a lot of naps.
1: Right, like and you then, think it'll feel like a hangover or something. Yeah. But the, the problem is that your thinking becomes muddled too. So it's not just that you have these physical symptoms, you're not able to think clearly, you're not thinking like yourself, and that can really lead to uh, a lot of confusion, bad decisions, you know, people, uh, They they try to hide the severity of the symptoms because they think that uh, it will, you know, other people will judge them or they're like, there's a lot of that's very common. I've now learned with concussions. People hide the severity of symptoms because there's like you just you're you're not thinking clearly and you think it's important that other people not really see. Um, But I've I've become sort of weird spokesperson slash guru for concussions because of my TED talk about it so every day literally I hear on Facebook or Twitter from someone who's like just been concussed and they're like what do I do um and I actually uh I mean I you know I'm like okay I'm your ally and I'm like always you know sending direct messages to like random people I don't know checking in on them to see um the right thing because it's not Even like if your friends and family will not understand, they will think, oh, you'll be out on the couch for three days and they expect you to be back to normal and they don't understand why three months, four months later, you're still struggling. It's not, I mean, it has not been discussed enough. Although I think that's changing now. People, especially with so many soldiers coming back with long-term symptoms of of the concussions.
0: Now, the other thing that's confusing to me with this is that in the beginning, the the first stage of your concussion, it's critical that you do nothing. Right. But then, after a while, you're like pushing it. Like yeah. how how much time can I spend in Whole Foods before I freak out? Right. Yeah. Like b- many people would think that that's sort of counterintuitive.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in the beginning is when the brain needs the most resources, right? So in you the don't very want...
0: early stages. Like yeah, how, how many days?
1: So depending on the studies you read, it'll say between forty eight hours to one week. Is the most crucial stage where you want you want the most cognitive rest, and you want to avoid basically just exhausting the brain. Because blood, anything you do that's cognitively demanding, it directs blood flow to different regions of the brain. You don't want your brain spending time trying to figure out your email instead of you know because there's only there's only so much blood to flow around, um, and you don't you don't want it to be Spent and 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 trying to do an email will require so much more effort from you than it normally would so it's a sort of like vicious cycle um now eventually the brain kind of gets into this sort of i don't know stasis where it's like okay now we're working or you've got your you've got kind of your thickened up um lesions that's going to take you know four months to kind of dissolve and 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 be back to normal um so you can you can test and you can stay engaged. And, and not being engaged will fuel depression and anxiety. So partly it's like you're trying to balance the mental health with the cognitive health. I mean, you can't... If you were to do cognitive rest for a month, it would be like being in solitary confinement. And we know mm. that that has really bad mental health effects.
0: Right. So um, you're kind of figuring this out as you go along. There's really not a road map that's set out... No one's ever done this before, and you just sort of take your game designing skills and apply what you know about the positive effects of games, Mm -hmm. and you experiment on yourself like a guinea pig.
1: Yeah, I was. Were you worried at all that you might
0: be fucking your brain up? Yeah,
1: I'm like, what could be worse than what was already happening? Um, And I mean, I'll like literally within 48 hours, the that fog. That like super black, you know, you want to die fog was gone, and it was, it n- none of the f- the symptoms didn't go away. I mean, it was as concussed as I was, but that that feeling of hopelessness really went away. And um, because
0: of the fun of the game, you know. But
1: it's it, so this is this is why I wrote the book because I didn't really understand why it worked. I knew it worked for me, and then I put the rules online, and people started writing me from all over the world that they were using it, and not just for. Concussions. I mean, people were writing for you know. I have cancer. I, I just had knee surgery. Someone you know who was just diagnosed with ALS starts playing it, and uh, I'm, it 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 seems to be it seemed to be extraordinarily effective at treating depression, anxiety, and also making people feel just stronger, just like better versions of themselves. And I did not understand it. And I, this is I say this all the time to people because there can be a lot of skepticism that a game can be helpful during a really serious uh, challenge in your life. It sounds like trivial. It sounds stupid. Um, So I freely acknowledge I didn't understand why it worked. It seemed kind of absurd to me for people with much more serious problems than I had too. Um, So that's why I wrote the book. It's why I started doing, you know, our clinical trial and, and the studies we've been doing for the last few years to try to understand because I didn't Uh, All I knew was that it seemed to be having all these positive effects and that uh, That was it was I mean even to a game designer like myself who believes in the power of games. I was really taken off guard
0: so uh, How did you structure it? Like did you you first start off just uh, coming up with things like power pills or walnuts and bad guys or depression? and how did you like put this whole thing together.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just started making YouTube videos, which is really funny. You can go back and look at like the first YouTube videos of me. It's like I don't I think it's called like why I'm making a game for my concussion or something like that. and The first
0: YouTube video you made, were you still suffering? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how many months was it into?
1: I this is like I think on day 34. This is like the day I'm like I'm making a game. I'm gonna make a YouTube video explaining the game.
0: What's it like to you when you watch that video now?
1: Oh, it's crazy because I can't. You can see I can't think of words. I, 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 I. Think can we play it? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah.
0: What is it? What would it be under? Uh, how would you find it?
1: Why I'm making a game concussion something like that.
0: Jamie will find it.
1: Yeah, because it's like you can see I can't. I, like, mm-hmm. I, I, mean, you see how fast I talk. I'm like, right. blah, blah. I'm like right. talking really slow. And how long ago was this? Uh, five years ago, yeah.
0: And how long do you think it was before you felt like 100% you again?
1: I mean, so I'm like 99% right me, now? maybe. Yeah, I mean, You're still
0: not 100%? No, there's, there,
1: yeah, there's still some things, like certain lights I can't be around. Whoa. Like, it's it creates, this, it's like, it feels like I'm having... Five years later? Yeah.
0: Well, let's let's play this real quick.
1: Oh, there I am.
2: I am making this video to explain a new project. Crank some volume, Jenny. The project is a game to help me with the recovery uh, process that I'm dealing with after I hit my head and got a concussion. And that was about five weeks ago. And the recovery has been very slow and hard. So um, it's getting to the point where I feel like I need a game to help me get through it. Um, I was doing some research today about post-concussion
1: syndrome, which is what I definitely have. What's all that weird has. artifacts in um, sound? That's where you have trouble concentrating, trouble... Oh, I mean, I'm probably just sitting there with my laptop in my lap. Of, um, you
2: know, serious planning, mental problem solving. Um, that would give me a concussion. In, in particular, I'm having a very hard time. I was
1: not a pro. <laughs> and
2: also, um, and uh, I get dizzy a lot. Um, I get headaches and nauseous, that kind of thing. Well,
0: you could really see clearly. You're you're moving way way slower. You're yeah. talking way slower. You could see you're struggling there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Unless
0: you're on meth right now. You're not on meth, right?
1: <laughs> no. I am a naturally very energetic person.
0: <laughs> it's fascinating to me that you're not 100%
3: still.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it, and I'm not sure entirely why. I was knocked out once when I was younger, like knocked out for like five minutes. Um, what happened? I fell off a sliding board.
0: What's a sliding board? Like,
1: I feel like a Philadelphia thing. I don't know. Uh, like a slide. Like a like. At the playgrounds that you go down oh, on the slide. Okay. I think in Philly we called it sliding boards. Uh, um, and I fell right off the side and, and hit my head on a cement block. Oh. Yeah. That so, was really young. That was my first concussion.
0: <laughs> so that's probably what's going on too, is a re- repeated concussion. Right.
1: No, no, what's interesting is I was so young. I did not, I was like, I don't know if it was like four or something. I actually didn't know that I'd had a concussion. I thought this was my first concussion in 2009. And the doctor's like, oh, have you had a concussion before? No. Um, because Obviously, everyone knows now if you have more than one, it can start to—the healing will take longer. I didn't know until, like, a month into my injury. I'm talking to my parents, and they mentioned, well, you know, the last time you had a concussion, you were feeling better much faster. And I'm like, what? What, what last time? Oh, you remember when you fell off the sliding board when you were, you know, Who remembers four. anything when they are four? I know, I know. Uh,
0: My five-year-old <laughs> doesn't remember anything when she was four. No, i
1: mean like, <laughs> you know, when you broke your collarbone. I'm like, oh, I do remember, like, wearing a sling for a right. collarbone, but I didn't know that I had a concussion. Yeah. So, uh, so, so anyway. even
0: though you were four and then the next one you were an adult, it's still
1: Maybe. It still I mean, it's... I, I, uh, people, like, they science does not quite understand how this works yet. Like, if, if the cumulative knocks have to be all within the same few years or if it can stretch out over a lifetime. I try not to think about it too much because I'm like, you know, God, if it happens again then I'm really, you know. But I'm actually, I like walk around like
0: <laughs> covering your head, yeah, Like
1: if I'm if I'm like at a you know like a concert or like in a. Club do you want to wear something. a helmet
0: if you go I to I do. A
1: I literally want. If I'm like at a nightclub or something, I want to wear a helmet. I'm like wondering if I can bring that back.
0: I stayed a girl that used to go to mosh pits. She was crazy and uh, she got head-butted by a dude once mm-hmm. she came over to my apartment after she uh, had been moshing and she was like Holding her head Aww. and I'm like, what are you doing? Aww. <laughs> she, she, I think she went to see some crazy fucking band I'm trying to remember the is there a band called the creeps? Yeah, it was yeah, this was in Boston in like 88 89
1: So we should be wearing helmets. You moshes. definitely don't get head-butted in a mosh no. pit. Yeah,
0: <laughs> But I would think, like, there's certain assholes, like, drunken dummies when oh, yeah. you go out to places, you, you, you know.
1: No, and I'm short, so I'm always worried about the elbows. Uh-huh. Like, I, someone's, like, reaching for something. Yeah, like, some big dude will just... I mean, even, yeah. like, on planes when people are taking down their luggage. Oh, yeah. I, like, cower by the windows. Cower by the window seat. Smart. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah that's um the the recognition of vulnerability is uh, an issue with people that get hurt because then all of a sudden you realize you can get hurt and sometimes you just walk on eggshells all the time It, it reduces the quality of your life yes
1: exactly and that's i mean that's sort of that gets to that idea of you know spotting the bad guys things that could hurt you and then you decide kind of how how comfortable you are you can't just run away you can't just hide you have to kind of Push your comfort limits a little bit, um, but so, I'm, I'm not going to go skiing. I've like, you just don't that. ski. Not going to ski. Yeah. Wow. I did like certain. There's certain things now that I feel like it's not worth the risk to me. A third, you know.
0: I can only imagine. I w- i just started skiing at 45. Mm-hmm. It's my first time skiing. I fucking wiped out hard last year, oh. but that's fine. Didn't yeah. didn't hit my head. Good. <laughs> and I'm pretty good at falling. I know how to fall. Yeah. Also, yeah. I, I Tumbled and rolled with it, but I was like, dude, I was going fast when I wiped. Oh, yeah. There's a video that's online today that I just retweeted earlier today. This fucking kid is in Colorado, and he's on a skateboard, and he's going 70 miles an hour down a hill. And uh, you just watch it, and wow. like every part of my body's like tingling with yeah, yeah. fear. Yeah, yeah. You know, that anticipation of oh, yeah. an injury is just well, like,
1: oh. You tweeted that. Didn't you tweet the uh, rooftop, like the guy in Russia yes. who goes, hangs off? So that's, you know, I'm really interested in like neuro hacks, how you can do little things to like, you know, change like how your brain is working right now. Um, and that video, it seemed to me, would be really good for people to get a little bit of adrenaline going. If you're, like, on your couch and you're, like, having a hard time getting yourself out of bed. Oh, my God.
0: He's going 70 miles an hour down this crazy hill with horrible music playing. I mean,
1: it looks like a video game, right?
0: (laughs) I mean, it's just crazy that this kid is doing this because you can't stop. I mean, actually, he's really good. Yeah. So there's a, a point where he uh, he turns the skateboard sideways to slow it down, like at the the very end. Uh, but and there's a couple little wiggles there where it looks like he's about to go down. And if he goes down, dude, you're breaking everything. Oh yeah. You're going 70 miles an hour. I mean, he is flying. I mean, there's no way. I mean, they're not faking this. Unless this is some sort of advanced CGI. No, I was
1: gonna say I mean it almost could be a video game
0: Like watch when he reaches his hands down He has some kind of crazy gloves on and when he reaches his hands down There's certain parts in the video where he's uh, touching the sparks. Look at the sparks. See the sparks. Look at that Jesus fucking Christ that guy. He almost fell. Mm -hmm. I mean he's getting like really close to falling like there's a, a couple times there where there's like this intense wiggle and he's tucking himself like uh, a speed skater, yeah, yeah, so that he can faster, go faster. Right? Crazy fucker. <laughs> like, what is wrong with kids? I mean, I get it. This is an adrenaline rush, mm-hmm. but when you see this, knowing what you suffered from standing up under a well, cabinet.
1: Well, yeah.
0: I mean, does this freak you? Out? Does he have a helmet on? Is that a hat? That's a helmet. It's I, mean, a helmet. I hope
1: it's a helmet. Holy
0: moly! Yeah, I mean, what was that helmet going to do?
1: Wow.
0: Well. <laughs> a little. I get. Like, look, look at <laughs> oh, this. Man. Look at that. That kid is crazy. <laughs> That's how he slowed down. So now he's he's, uh, like, yeah. he's down to a reasonable pace. But when you see him, he'll do it again to slow it down. He grabs the board and look at this. Uh, that is nuts.
1: <laughs> but you figure out how many hours of. I mean, because he's like a virtuoso at this. Yes, so there's like thousands clearly. and thousands of hours.
0: Yeah, he's put the 10,000 hours in. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: But good Lord. When you see something like that, knowing what you went through, like anything, like when you see like dirt bike riders doing flips. I actually
1: have a really, I stopped watching professional football um, after, I used to, you know, I mean, go 49ers. Right. (laughs) But uh, I can't, I can't watch football anymore. Like I just, I mean, I can, but uh, I don't enjoy it in the same way because I, I just feel, I feel bad. From mm. the players and when I see when I see like a really hard hit mm-hmm. I just I just feel bad so
0: I think that's something that a lot of people are struggling with these days with all these you know the real sports story that they did on uh, traumatic brain injury mm-hmm. and the issues that people are having and the all the stuff that I've seen from fighters yeah. over the years is it's definitely affected my enjoyment what's this retiring after concussion yep. next hit to my head could possibly kill wow. me
1: I mean, That's this is a thing now, right people are yeah they're they're retiring one, two years into their career,
0: yeah, well, there's more of that now than ever before, because guys are realizing first of all yeah. at the end of uh at the end of their career, they're most likely gonna be debilitated, yep. I mean almost all of the players that take a lot of hits yeah. suffer from serious injuries for the rest of their lives, yeah, and so when you're young and you're looking at your future, you're going, look, I could put all my energy into this, and you know be a mess or i could say you know what i'm still young i'm 23 i could do anything i want like look i've yeah. been in the nfl I've, I've experienced it let me just get the fuck out of here Let's yeah go no, try it, something else it
1: makes you worry that the future of the sport is going there's going to be a big socioeconomic divide where the only people who who really want to play and are willing to take that risk are people who feel like they have nothing to lose you know mm. Um, there's that mean,
0: and there's the people that want to watch it like we, we've we experienced that with the UFC, too. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, There's a bunch of people that want to watch the the head injuries. They just they don't know what they're seeing yet They don't understand like when you You watch somebody get KO'd like really yeah. badly when yeah. you see someone get head kicked or you know, dropped on their head or something like that You you just see excitement. You see like yeah. oh that guy just beat that guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I know and I, it's uh yeah i can't watch I can't watch fights either for the same reason mm-hmm. and I have friends who are so into it and you know you just because i mean so right I love games I understand a good game a good good sport is a good game mm-hmm. um and uh you admire people's ability to be so good at this you know this mm-hmm. thing that we've created to test human potential right. but um but you know it's if I've sort of started drifting to sports where there's fewer concussions although you know like i'm a big tennis fan and one of the big stars just got a concussion this weekend at the u.s open wow. so um she slipped uh in the in like the locker room after doing a, like the ice bath after like a, a really oh tough no mat. um and uh it's interesting they showed her coming to the courts to see if she could practice with her sunglasses on and the hoodie pulled up and she just has that that look that like, now I saw her, I was like, oh my God, I mean, she's like right in the, that zone of where she thinks she's gonna play because she's not thinking clearly, but you can see her. I mean, she's like a the shell of herself. Um,
0: so when you see something like that, do you want to reach out to her? Oh or? yeah,
1: no, I know, and people have been tweeting at her too, be like, you have to get super better, you know, they just finished their clinical trial. You <laughs> She's can, like, what you the fuck, be fuck are you the about? Know, I'll, I'll be know. better,
0: but what is super better? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, uh, I do, I do, I, I do want to reach out because um, because I know how hard it was and how how so few people. I mean, it's just the the general public conversation about this has not caught up to. Kind of the reality of, of what people experience.
0: Well, that uh, those ice baths. Th- that's uh, one of the problems with that that form of cold therapy is that you get out and your legs are like rubber. Yes, you know, you're, you're, you're everything's right. not working so good. That's why you can't do that stuff and then work out. Right, you know, like there's some forms of cold therapy that you can do and you can work out after it, but not those ice baths.
1: I know. I have done. I, I run marathons, so I have done some ice bath, and I've yeah.
0: Have you ever done the whole body (laughs) cryotherapy where you step in the chamber and Uh you go to 250 degrees below zero for Uh three minutes? No. It's awesome. Is it really? Oh, it's the best. Is there
1: like a mind and body element? Like do you kind of, is there like a mental state? That is changed.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. your brain produces something called norepinephrine.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And yeah.
0: cold shock proteins and all these different things mm-hmm. happen when you hit minus 150 degrees below zero.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, there's also the, something that someone just invented. One of the reasons I brought this up, something called a cryo helmet. Like, you put it on over your head. Mm-hmm. It's like a gel pack thing. Like a, It's almost like a hoodie. And you put it on, and it's like they—they they really recommend it for people that have had head injuries.
1: That's really interesting. Of I have massive
0: reduction in swelling.
1: Right, I could—I mean, I could see that if you're trying to treat the inflammation.
0: Yeah, because it's like a whole thing like got yeah. like, like a frozen helmet. You know like those little gel packs. No, oh, yeah, It's yeah, like of one course. of those, but it's a helmet. Like yeah, put it on your head. I
1: don't know. You might I have, of course I want to start it, is, doing, right there. That's it. Yeah. No, you gotta pull up like Google Scholar though, for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanna see like is there any literature on this yet? because um, 'cause I'm so I'm like don't pull, it
3: up. <laughs> don't pull it up. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I'm
1: fairly conservative right. with telling other people what to do. Right. Like for myself, you know, I was like, oh I'll make a game. But for telling other people what to do, I'm like, wait till there's a peer reviewed
0: Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, but fighters, you know, Boss Rutten, who's a former UFC uh, heavyweight champion, great fighter, was uh, talking about that. It's, uh, it's important, like when guys get hit, to uh, ice their head after it's over. And he, in his rationale was like, look, if you hurt your knee, what's the first right. thing they do? They put ice on it. Why don't right. they put ice on your head? Yeah. And I was like, that actually makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I know. That's really interesting. I was just reading about, you know... You probably know this. They say, like, five minutes after you stop breathing, supposedly you have, like, brain cell death. Have you heard Like, if mm-hmm. somebody's drowned and yeah. you can't get them breathing again in five minutes, um, then supposedly they're, mm-hmm. it's too late. And they're now finding that if you cool down the body and the brain that they can come back. You can be not breathing, not, you know, heart, heart beating for more than five minutes now if you get the body temperature Slow so enough
0: pack them with ice that's
1: what they're doing now they're Jesus. starting to do that it's like a first uh, frankenstein first shit. i know and i was like i was just telling my husband i'm like we need to we need to read this literature so because i, I want to know if i'm supposed to do this or wait till like the emt shows up. like if something happens should right. i start packing ice or yeah i'm not sure uh i'm, I'm not actually sure of the practical implications of this
0: <sighs> yeah as you get older you realize more and more how damn vulnerable people are yes We're so physically vulnerable
1: yes well this is really interesting because you know i in doing what i do i have confronted a lot of skepticism and i would even say i mean people who are really quite sarcastic they really hear about this oh i'm going to adopt a secret identity and it's, it's going to make me not depressed you know usually it's people not suffering from depression who mm-hmm. say this because if you're really suffering from something debilitating like clinical depression, anything. you will try anything. So there's people who are pretty happy and healthy and they'll they'll say, This sounds ridiculous. Um but,
0: but you're talking about bloggers, right?
1: <laughs> yes. Well yeah, and the New Yorker just ran a big, like, giant piece uh about about super better. Um, uh, sort of, you know, it was both positive, but also, like, still this sounds kind of ridiculous. Well, it but, does
0: sound ridiculous.
1: Yeah. But but then it's like... But it like, still
0: can work and sound the, ridiculous.
1: Exactly. And that's why it's like, I, I, uh, when you realize how vulnerable people are and how much is out of our control, I mean, those are the people who are the first in line to try this and who benefit the most. So we had half a million people play an electronic version, like, logging their power-ups and their bad guys in quests so that I could get data on it and see what are the most effective power-ups, like how often do you have to, you know, check in to, to get better. And we found that people with the, just the, the most painful and difficult situations were the ones that were benefiting the most. It's like sort of the more you realize how vulnerable you are, the more open you are, and the more this kind of concrete, purposeful, positive action can actually make a big difference.
0: That makes sense. I mean, once you feel the vulnerability, it it becomes real. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you look at someone who has a broken leg and you go, oh, I can intellectually understand that that person broke their leg, but I don't know what it feels like. Right. You know, if you've never broken your leg, you don't know that feeling. You're like, oh, fuck, I can't even stand on this stupid thing. Right. Is that that feeling where, like, okay, now what, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Tell me what I have to do. And then the reality changes. Yeah. And the reality of you having that head trauma and trying to figure out, like, there's got to be a way to get out of this swamp, this yeah. mental swamp that I'm stuck in. Uh, let's fucking make a game. Like, yeah. let's do it. Like, you're just... <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to me. A a person who's been through a bunch of surgeries and injuries and stuff, it totally makes sense to me because there's a reality that every time I've I've really badly injured myself, like where I needed knee surgery or something, there's like a, just an acceptance. Just go, let's just go do it. Let's go do it because now this thing's broken. And until that happens, there's a bunch of people that tell you, well, why don't you try rehabbing it? Why don't you try doing this? Like, no, it's like, I don't think you get it.
1: No, and a lot of times you'll have an injury and you won't know if it will get better. Mm -hmm. Um, If you'll be able to get back to what you were doing before, which is actually where the name Super Better comes from. Because I wasn't sure I would ever have the same cognitive capabilities I had. And at that time, I was, you know, I was, you know, I had just gotten my PhD. I was doing research. I was, you know... I was used to being able to have an intellectual profession Um, and so I everyone's like get better soon and I'm like well what does that mean that means get back to who you were before this happened and I didn't know if I would ever be able to do any of that again. So I thought, well, I'm not gonna get better. I'm gonna get super better. I'll just be different. <laughs> I'll be like this new super version of myself, like Spider-Man, uh, you know, he got bit by the radioactive spider and this concussion is my radioactive spider. And I don't know who I'm gonna be, but it'll be someone different. And, uh, and instead of just trying to, you know, cause anytime you have an injury or an illness, you, you don't know who you're gonna be at the end of it. It might be back to normal. It might be different and you want it to be the best different that it could be.
0: Yeah, there's been many stories of people that have gotten knocked on the head and all of a sudden had musical talent yes. or mathematical talent. Yes. Were you hoping that that was going to?
1: I had the weirdest experience. Um, so I'm a very introverted person by nature. I, I, you know, I, I, like If my phone rings, I won't answer it. Like Even if you're my friend or like you're my mom, I'm like, oh, it's too much social interaction. Like I get anxiety. I can't answer it. <laughs> so uh, that's been like my whole life. But um, we, what we know about like, the difference between introverts and extroverts is introverts tend to stimulate themselves with internal thinking, they're always, they're always thinking, and they don't need other people to kind of get them excited. Extroverts respond much more positively to external stimulation. It, it's, like a, it's like they're just primed. If they see someone smiling at them, it's like a cocaine hit, you know? So when I had the injury, I couldn't think to myself anymore I couldn't like entertain myself with my own thoughts and I became like this super extroverted person and I started like calling everybody in my phone like contact list which people I would never I mean I wouldn't even pick up the phone and I'm like please talk to me because I couldn't I couldn't literally could not be an introvert anymore but that only lasted for like a couple months and then when I started to get better I went back to being introverted (laughs) and I still today I I try to keep some of that because I actually discovered. Wait, I I really like. It's nice to talk to people. <laughs>
3: it's not. It's not actually that. a
1: burden, you know. But but that's so that was that was that was one of the sort of super better you know changes for me as I realized. And they, you know, we know from psychological literature, extroverts really are happier. They live longer. They're psychologically healthier. It is if you can convince yourself to be social. It's. It's really good for you, Um, but introverts just still have a different brain chemistry. So their brain's telling them, "Ew, people, scary! Like you know, too much stimulation." Uh, Yeah.
0: Well, that's one of the weirdest things about online interaction is Mm. that it's kind of a combination of both Mm -hmm. introvert behavior and extrovert behavior. Because even though you are interacting with people, you're not seeing them.
1: No, it's controlled, and that's it's it's the face to face can be really uh, daunting. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, like just the, the energy Social that it cues. takes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not the same thing as being, I mean, just cause you're an introvert doesn't mean you're, I don't know, like socially unable, like I, you know, you're mm-hmm. not, you're not a misfit.
0: Well, obviously but. you, you're very capable of keeping a regular conversation going. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're Win. not, I mean, you could say you're an introvert, but you're easily, you know, you're easy. You, you're like, yeah. you're just talking, no yeah. problems. You're not, yeah, I've had some introverts on this podcast oh, yeah, yeah. before and they're, are... it's obvious. They're like everything's an effort. You
1: know? Yeah Yeah, it's probably more of an effort for me than it looks hmm. but I... I
0: think it's more of an effort for everybody than it looks
1: maybe well, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that um one of the issues with online Interaction is that you don't see the people and mm-hmm. you don't you know, you just it's just like my intention is it's kind of ambiguous you know like you write something yeah. or you, you put something out there and it's uh, it's not completely clear like if you say something I get the tone I can tell if you're yeah. being sarcastic yeah. and I if uh, if someone if you say something mean to me like we have to look at each other I'm like fucking really yeah, you know, yeah. like and there's this weird thing to it yeah. whereas if you do that online there's like none of that yeah and I think that there's, there's something very strange that's going on in our culture right now mm-hmm. with so many people spending a giant amount yeah. of their time only interacting with people through text.
1: Absolutely. Well, that's one of the areas of research that I was diving into. So, you know, because I, I don't just you know, research brain injury stuff. I typically research video games and how they change how we feel and think and act in what did the rest you get your PhD lives. in uh, the the field is called performance studies. So I was just basically studying how people perform um, in video games and as a result of video games, sort of collaboration skills, their sort of psychological performance, um, things like that. At, at UC Berkeley was where I studied, and uh, so one of the things that we know that's happening in video games is that there's a really big difference between playing a video game in the same room with somebody and playing online. Um, So like if we're playing Call of Duty and I'm trying to kill you, if we're playing in the same room, we actually undergo really great, uh, it's kind of, they call it synchronization. So our heart rates will sync up, our breathing rates sync up. We get a kind of mirror neuroning process going on where it's like blood flow is uh, mirroring where it's flowing. The patterns of activation are mirroring each other. And all of that's associated with more compassion more empathy we like each other more we trust each other more even if the game is violent even if we're competing um, all of this happens and it happens because you know when you're playing a game with or against someone you have to try to get in their brain like what are they gonna do next what's mm. their next move um, and so your brain starts to mirror what you think they're doing so it's this it's this really uh, intense mind body mirroring that goes on
0: what triggers the mirroring the, the observance of the character on the screen
1: Uh, well, no, it's, it, it, cause it only works if you're in the same space, physical space with them.
0: But you're still looking at a screen.
1: Yeah. Well, you're trying to think, what are they doing? And Mm there is just something about if you're the, you may think you're looking at the screen, but there's also just a general awareness. Like Mm -hmm. when you're sitting next to someone, you're aware of sort of what's going on and the, and cues that you're picking up, body language cues. And if you like turn to look at them, you, you'll, even just in a split second, you'll get this sort of facial expression cue. Um, and that doesn't happen in online games. Um, so what we've, and it's
0: been measured?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we've seen is if you take the same game and play it, you know, against somebody in the room, you wind up with these positive impacts, uh, like, you know, more compassion, more empathy. You like each other more. If you play the same game online, you're not able to see their facial expression you're not able to get the same uh, sinking phenomenon. You actually dehumanize the opponent. You Your testosterone goes up, you feel less empathy towards them. Um, and so it's one of the reasons why in the book, I talk about how, you know, unless you're actively trying to change your personality to be more aggressive, and you want to, I don't know, for some reason, you feel like you want to be kind of more of a have this like aggressive hostile personality uh you should not spend more than half your time trying to beat strangers online um, because <laughs> of the because it's just not uh, half your
0: time is a lot of time
1: half your half your gaming time oh okay
0: <laughs> jesus christ what are you recommending 24 hours in a day you should never yeah. spend more than 12 hours killing strangers no. online. and
1: actually it's 21 hours a week is where you start to see the benefits of games reduce and negative impacts increase. So there's another public service announcement.
0: Um, what if you, have you done it in layers where, you know, you like I used to do uh, LAN parties mm-hmm. with my friends. Yeah. We used to play Quake yeah. LAN parties. Um, and it's really fun. You know, there's a lot of camaraderie and stuff. Yeah. But if you put a barrier up, yeah. but they're in the same room or if they're in a room that's right next door But you know they're there and maybe you can hear their voice or if you shut that door and you can't hear their voice Have you changed? Have they seen like what what if the mirroring is consistent?
1: Yeah, I'm um, the studies that I've seen show that you have to be in physical proximity so mm-hmm. if there was a barrier and We were unable I was unable to look over and get those cues from your mm-hmm. body language or from your facial expression That it would not happen. What if it was like
0: a cubicle thing, and I could just like reach up?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then you, then you probably would. I I like, I like this idea of the staging. The thing I'm really curious about is with Twitch and now YouTube gaming. Is if you can watch somebody playing, Mm. and and now you're seeing their face um, while they're playing a game. Um, Studies have shown that watching someone play a game that you know how to play will trigger the same mirror neurons because your brain can kind of emulate. Uh, if you're playing a game, I don't know how to play. I don't know right. the controls. I don't know the goals. My brain will just be like, I don't know. Right. But if I know how to play the game, I'm like, oh, I know what she's trying to do. Like I, I know what her strategy is. Or something like yeah, that, whatever it is. Where
0: everybody knows what yeah. to do. Get
1: away from the ghosts. Yeah, yeah. So one thing I'm interested in is if I can see someone's face, you know, while they're playing the game. They're playing a game I know. Could you get some of the benefits? But it would only be unidirectional because. If you're, like, live streaming your gameplay, right. you can't see me. Of course. So, uh, right. But it would be interesting, because we know that if you get this mirror neuron effect, um, it makes people want to help each other more, like each other more. I'm, like, thinking, like, being a powerful, you know, Twitch streamer or YouTube game streamer, like, could make you really cultivate a large community of people who really want to help you. It's, it seems like like if I were building an empire of... Like a new kind of community. I feel like that would be what I would be building because they would be really um, It would be like a really tight bond, you know,
0: that's fascinating You know this twitch thing has caught a lot of people by surprise because I think a lot no one would have ever thought that it'd be so popular to watch someone play video games
1: Right and the mirror neuron thing helps explain it because it's not like watching TV where it's Mm -hmm. just passive if you know how to play the game your brain starts working to sort of process it and anticipate you know what they're going to do next mm-hmm. trying to figure out what what decision they'll make or, or where they'll go um and so you're actually getting a lot of the same stimulation as if you were playing the game yourself and that's the thing people don't understand um we do this with musicians too if you know how to play a musical instrument and you watch somebody playing that same musical instrument your brain starts to you know Activate as if you were playing it yourself, which is why it can be more interesting for Someone who knows how to play the piano to watch someone else play the piano or listen to someone else play the piano Versus somebody who doesn't know
0: it totally makes sense when uh, I used to play Quake we used to watch these uh, things Uh, They they call them demos and Uh what it was was a game that They would record and so you'd see it through a player's eyes So you get to see how good a player moves and then it would make you play better You would you play better after you saw that
1: absolutely Yeah, Yeah,
0: they were really popular. Like demos were super popular. You would download them and you would play them in game, like in your game. Yeah,
1: I remember
0: that. Yeah, do you remember that? (laughs) I do. I was
1: like into Counter Strike a little bit.
0: Well, that's the case with athletics too. Um, A lot of people tell me that when they watch like a really good basketball player play, that it makes them play better basketball. Yeah, I know it's the case with pool. Mm -hmm. Uh, I play pool, and when I watch really good players play. Like I can kind of emulate what yep. they do, and but if, if, if I feel like it's not just like copying, but I kind of tune in. To oh yeah, because your
1: brain is practicing it. Mm-hmm. I I find that after a Grand Slam in tennis, because I'll watch. I mean, the only reason why I'm not watching tennis right now is because we're here doing this. I, oh, is like, there something going on? Oh yeah, the U.S. Open. My I favorite didn't know. player is playing like r- literally right Who's now. Your favorite like, player, Joe Willy Sanga, who I name my puppy after. I have a dog named Sanga. <laughs> <laughs> but he's playing right now to get get to uh, the semis, um, but uh, no spoilers because I'm recording it. Um, but I know that so I'll go like two weeks watching hours and hours of tennis a day. Then I go to play tennis and I'm better. I'm mm. absolutely I. I see the ball better. I get to it better. Um, I totally mean, absolutely, because my brain has spent two weeks mirroring everything I see. But if you don't know how to play, if you've never played, your body won't do it. So you have to have you have to have mm-hmm. a, a, f- a model for for this to work. Totally makes
0: sense. Yeah, because like something like tennis, like I've ne- I'm, I'm maybe played once in my whole life when I was in my early twenties. Yeah, so you once.
1: wouldn't get as much. Benefits. No,
0: I wouldn't get anything <laughs> because I'm not going to play again. I don't think I have yeah. enough time in the day. But I, I totally understand that. That totally makes sense. I think that probably is the case with pretty much everything that people do. It's one of the reasons why. Uh, a sense of community amongst people that are all involved in the same sort of endeavor is so important because you Mm kind of push each other and inspire each other. Mm -hmm. And also you kind of feed off of each other. Maybe one, like if we were all comedians, maybe you would have like a certain kind of style that I don't have and I would see your style and go, oh, Jane's got this crazy thing she's doing. Well, that's kind of cool. And then like maybe I would do something that you didn't do and you're like, maybe I need to like be more this or be more and sort of tune into how people are doing to the point where A lot of comics, when they're around each other, um, it becomes an issue sometimes because they kind of mimic each other's personas or. Or Or
1: even just the cadence, you would think, you'd start picking up.
0: Well, there's a guy named David Tell. He's like one of the funniest guys ever. And uh, he's got a way of talking that's really fun. And when he talks, like, there's so many young guys that come up that start talking like David (laughs) Tell. And it's like it became an issue. Where there was, like, all these little, uh, like, Patrice O'Neill used to call them Attel Babies. (laughs) There was all these Attel Babies that were running around it. But really, they're just young comics that admire his sort of... And they're trying to do it, too. And they're, like, super inspired because they're young and they're just trying to make it. And then they're seeing this guy who's just, you know, like, a fantastic comedian. like, God. And then they don't even realize it, but they're just adopting it.
1: Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. I mean, you just... Uh, it becomes a template.
0: But, yeah, nobody yeah. exists in a vacuum, right? I mean, everybody mm-hmm. sort of there's everyone influences everyone around them to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. We all want to believe that we're some rogue independent operator that exists out in the fringe of society and lives in a fucking wooden house in the woods somewhere. <laughs> that sounds nice. <laughs> yeah, <it> sounds <laughs> sounds nice, but it's a it's a it's a creation of fiction.
1: Oh yeah, no, and it's funny. Somebody. Uh, someone I admire, Clive Thompson, he writes a lot about technology for like Wired and New York Times. Um, and he had a book out recently uh, about, you know, is technology changing our brain? And the opening chapter says, you know, Newsflash, everything changes your brain. Mm. This sentence you just read, it changed your brain. And right. uh, So, I mean, on one hand, it's sort of silly to, to look at research that says, oh, games change your brain like this or you know, music changes your brain like that. Um, because everything you do, everything you're exposed to changes your brain you're making a memory or you're you're sort of activating a pattern um so i mean like even this conversation you know like, yes. congratulations like you have changed my brain today yes um but this is just something to think about like that's it's a lot it's, of responsibility and how we interact with each other
0: it is and well this, that's one of the, thing, the weirdest things about doing a podcast is how many people mm-hmm. will tell me after they listen to the podcast for 500 episodes <laughs> dude you changed my life Oh, yeah, that's like, oh, a lot of responsibility, <laughs> but it, we really are changing each other's lives I mean the yeah. podcast has changed my life just being able to talk to all these different people mm-hmm. That's why it's important not to have dipshits in your life Because yes. if you're around people that are just constantly fucking up and constantly mm-hmm. making the same mistakes over and over again Like that pattern affects you too. Yes, like, that pattern will creep into your mind.
1: Yes. Well then say, you know, it's 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 really good to surround yourself with people who inspire you because they, they talk about having a cognitive model for behavior change like if you're trying to get better in some way uh, if you can visual if you know somebody who's already done it or doing positive things in their lives it's it requires less energy for your brain to imagine yourself doing it like if mm. you' if, if you don't if you're not surrounded by anybody who's trying to get healthier or trying to get fit or whatever it is um, you're, it's like it's literally harder to imagine and so it's like more exhausting for you to try to imagine yourself getting better. Whereas if you're surrounded by people who are doing it, it becomes familiar to your brain. There's all sorts of examples that your brain can call on. Um, It literally takes less energy for you to imagine yourself actually doing it. And weirdly, they found at Stanford University using uh, like avatars. If you can see an avatar that is designed to look like you, like doing the sort of things you want to do, like, you know, being really physically fit, like working out in the game world. If you just watch... An Avatar custom designed to look like you doing that, it uh, lowers the cognitive threshold for you to do it. And then you will do more in real life. You, you, know, you will work out more. You'll um, spend more time committed to those goals just by having watched the sort of mirror version of yourself having done it. That's
0: fascinating. That f- That's fascinating because that seems to open up a whole new realm of possibility for people creating virtual realities. Yeah. yeah. Like virtual realities where you're wat- – like w- one of the big things that they say it's in- important for progress in sports and, and in pretty much anything is visualization. Mm-hmm. Visualize yourself doing things. It's mm-hmm. a big thing with martial arts. They uh, take a lot of fighters. They, they, they talk them through their scenarios. They've, they will sit down and they'll close their eyes and meditate and visualize – uh, themselves getting out of bad situations visualize themselves winning and do it over and over and over again to the point where it becomes Like a part of this is your reality. Your yeah. reality is you win. Yeah, you know It seems like if you could watch a video of you yeah. doing all those things yeah. an artificially created yep. you Yep,
1: yep. absolutely like
0: jumping higher than you've ever jumped before did yeah. p- Scoring in tennis or yeah, playing. and what's
1: so it's like it's it's there's a little bit of nuance to it That's really interesting. So Um, for example, if you are like walking on a treadmill while you're watching a custom avatar of yourself and the avatar starts running faster and is getting fitter, you will run faster. You will, you will work harder if, if you are engaged in an activity, it can really, uh, get you moving. So it's like, it would be good to tie it to when you're actually working out. Like it might not be, it might not last for, you know. I watched right. this movie today, and a week later, I'm still feeling more powerful. You kind of want to do it in the moment. Um, or they, the one study at Stanford found for 24 hours, they were, they sort of were more physically active, like taking stairs or doing more push-ups or whatever. Um, but, uh, but it, I do like the idea of using it purposely like that. Uh, the one thing they know is like for positive visualization. I don't know if you've seen. There's been new research coming out that you have to visualize. The effortful action and not the outcome. Like if you're visualizing getting, you know, lifted up on people people's shoulders, like I'm the champion, um, that actually seems to sometimes have a counterproductive effect because your brain can imagine it so vividly, you kind of feel like you've already had that payoff, and you're you put in less effort. That there's been studies really? for a few years that show this. Um, so, uh, but if you're visualizing the effortful activity that it takes to get there, you're picturing, you know, here's what I have to do on game day, and you're thinking about um, the, the things that require effort on your part, techniques or, you know, the, the actions you're going to take, um, that is helpful. So, you just don't want to think about, you know, I can't wait till they, you know. Call me up and say that I won. Right. Whatever. You have you can't think about just you have to be visualizing the things that are gonna require effort and energy on your part. That's the that's that seems to be the most Helpful.
0: It's so fascinating because like just that statement right there that seems to be the most helpful There's so much weirdness in all this It's so much. <laughs> it's know. like magic Like what the fuck is going on? Like what is with the visualization process? What's the mechanism? Like what, what 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 is it? Inspiration I mean how much of inspiration? How much is inspiration uh, a factor in success? I, I would say probably gigantic, right? Well, is, so it, is that all it is?
1: I mean, there's there's so many different Avenues. I am. I focus on self-efficacy as what you're trying to increase, uh, as opposed to inspiration. So, self-efficacy is when you feel like you have the skills and abilities and resources you need to achieve your goal. And it's 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 different from self-esteem. Self-esteem is like, oh, I'm a good person. You know, I sort of like, like myself. Self-efficacy is very specific. Like, if I have self-efficacy about running a marathon, it means that. I have done you know, at least a few 20-mile runs, I know how hard it's going to be, I've got my resource, I know how to you know, fuel during the run, I know how much sodium I have to take at different points, I know what the course looks like, so I've got a mental plan. Having that sense of reasonable optimism and focusing on visualizing what you'll do successfully that's focused on your own skills and abilities, that in all of the scientific literature is linked to better outcomes. Whereas if you're imagining things that are outside of your control, it just doesn't, because how is, it might inspire you. And maybe you'll, you know, get out of bed and put more of an effort as you, you know, picture something good happening to you. But the, the mental model that seems to be most powerful is when you're focusing on things that you have direct control over, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. The self-efficacy. How much of all that is just a little like what you're we're talking about is just focus Is just thinking about what you're doing And the more you think about what you're doing and the more energy you put towards Mm -hmm. what you're doing makes you better And how much of this is just I mean, is it possible that all these ideas of just Visualization is what what you're doing is really just focusing more and loving more what you're doing
1: I think that could be a big part of it. I mean the the focus attention Mm -hmm. you're you're able to perform better you learn faster i think part of it is also something to do with the dopamine system um you know in video games so if if some so i've talked to lots of neuroscientists um for this book and um a lot of them will say if if you want to increase someone's self-efficacy you have them play a video game because uh in a video game, you're constantly required to take action and then wait to see. You know, I, I, I try to fire my weapon. I wait to see if I shot successfully. I try to orient around an obstacle. I'm going to get information. Every time that your brain expects information about your performance, it gives you a little dopamine release. And dopamine feels good, so you're, you get excited. Um, but increased dopamine also allows you to pay closer attention and to learn faster, right? So anytime you're trying something where you're constantly taking actions, getting feedback, and you have to kind of learn and improve, uh, you'll get all this dopamine going. And that is associated with the ability to build self-efficacy. So uh, I think that there is a, I mean, I think there's a neurochemical process that's underlying this. It's not it's not just, um, I mean, it's not just a matter of, of what you think, it's also about changing what is going on in your brain so that the brain is primed to learn faster, to improve. And that's um, that's uh, that's why, you know, that's why there seem to be so many cool applications for video games. Because if you can get a cancer patient who feels really powerless and overwhelmed to play a video game about chemotherapy and it starts building self-advocacy and getting all the dopamine going... There was a clinical trial that showed that kids who played a video game about cancer were, for two to three months later, missing fewer doses of their medicine, taking more antibiotics. They were more engaged, um, which leads to more cases of cancer being going into remission.
0: Right, but isn't that just more focus? It's just focusing and thinking. I mean, it's using it as a mechanism to focus and think about. Your illness. Focus and think about your recovery. But it's,
1: it's focus with the dopamine hit, and the increased dopamine is going to it. It it changes. So what's well? Now we'll get really deep here. Mm-hmm. Um, every time that you consider a goal, your brain stops and says, "Is it worth it?" Because your brain's trying to conserve your body's energy and you know your the, the, your cognitive energy. And we'll say, if I if I do this goal, am I, do I really want it? Am I going to put the energy to do it. And what researchers have found is the more dopamine you have in your reward pathways, the more you focus on the positive outcome and the less you think about the effort required. So if I give you a bunch of dopamine hits, you're going to be thinking about, I might be cured someday. I don't care how many side effects there are to this medicine. I'm swallowing this pill, you know, and and I'm going to do it um, because you're focused on the positive outcome, not all of the other things that stress you out about it or make you, you know, the nausea and and the, the the energy that it takes. And this is true if you're doing push-ups, you know, like, do I really feel like doing hundred push-ups right now? Um, if you have more dopamine going, you're going to be more likely to say, this is important to me, it's important to my training. Um, and if you are low dopamine, which is when you're clinically depressed, you have really low dopamine. So everything seems too hard. Oh, why am I going to bother getting out of bed? There's like the effort required seems so much more important than the goal. So there is a neurological underpinning To self-efficacy is sort of this combination of really wanting to achieve your goal and having that increased attention so you learn faster. So there's, but you have to, it's, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not just a matter of saying I'm going to pay attention now. You have to be priming your brain to Increase the dopamine in your reward pathways.
0: Right, and but the dopamine hit. What is the mechanism that creates the dopamine hit? Is it just simply loving what you're doing no. and being enthusiastic about? No, 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 it? is it's, it goals.
1: It's it's goals. It's anticipation. Well, it's specifically it's anticipation of feedback. So the fastest way, if, like you wanted to increase your dopamine right now, I would say make a prediction about something that's going to happen today. Um, it could be anything. Like I, I, I predict that Sango will win today in four sets. Whatever it is, you make a prediction about something. Every time you make a prediction, your brain's like, oh, I might be right. I'm going to, and, and, and that'll feel good. And if I'm not right, I'll learn something. Why did he lose in five sets or whatever? So I make a better prediction next time. That gives you a dopamine. So in a video game, when you fire your weapon, you have predicted that it's going to successfully shoot that guy over there. And you're waiting for, to see on the screen, did I miss or did I hit? That's why you get a dopamine hit. So every time you make a prediction, your brain gears up. To either celebrate that you were right, yay, success, or I got to learn so that I can do better the next time.
0: That's why I think, I, I, you know, I have friends, I have one friend in particular that didn't grow up with any healthy sense of competition. And mm. it, it, it's, he's actually talked about that, like... If there's one thing that he could go back and do again, like he thinks his parents didn't really instill any sense of competition in him and he's one of those guys if he's playing a game and it's not going his way, he'll pull the plug. Ooh. He'll flip the board over. He's that guy. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, you know what's going on in the brain. So yeah. this is you have this reaction, but to him, losing is just devastating and right. games are only if you can win.
1: Right. Well, and, and it's probably what's going on. It's his brain is saying you know it's starting to realize no amount of effort is going to turn this around mm-hmm. and so he just walks away
0: there's no, well not only that there's no there's no history of figuring things out and getting mm-hmm. better right like, everybody has ever started anything and gotten really good at it knows that in the beginning you suck yes. and that's some it's kind of exciting yeah like um you you pick something up say uh tennis you know like if i started playing tennis today i don't know how to play tennis I would suck. Mm-hmm. I, and it would be exciting because I would get my ass kicked and I'd be like, okay, I have to figure this fucking thing out. Absolutely. Like, what makes that ball spin like that? How's that guy whack that ball? Oh, I see. He's no, he knows. He's number crunching. He's he's like data. He knows he's got, he's chunking information. He knows that if I move left, the ball's going to go there and he's going to go here and oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I don't have that. So,
1: And that experience of mm-hmm. getting better, I mean, that's the basis for self-efficacy. Um, so it's like, Sometimes people ask me, like parents will say, what kids should my what games should my kids be playing for a learning experience? But I say every game is designed to be a learning experience because you're supposed to be bad. And that's why games feel so good. Is that you're you're every time you play a new game, you're figuring it out, you're learning how it works, you're getting better. That experience of constantly getting better and proving to yourself, oh, I can figure something out, I can improve, I can master something. Um, that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons. This is a fundamental reason why people like playing games and why they don't play the same game forever. I mean, sometimes you do if the game that you can never master, like chess or something, mm-hmm. you know. But most people will will really get into a game for a while and then feel like they have stopped improving, and so the brain gets, you know, wants to keep learning, wants to keep getting better. The dopamine hits are only going to come if you aren't sure. How to be successful, right? So you have to play a new game. That's why we don't play tic-tac-toe as adults, right? No, no dopamine hits with tic-tac-toe because you know exactly what's going to happen.
3: Every
0: yeah, move. bullshit game. I keep trying to tell my five-year-old <laughs> we're gonna. It's gonna be a draw every time, kid. This is bullshit. What? Um, but, but, there's there's a, a elitism attached to chess, where mm-hmm. chess is the only game that's considered a, a a worthwhile pursuit. I know
2: it's terrible. I but mean,
0: what is that? Because parents will tell kids that are playing video games that they're wasting their time. I know. But if you came home and your kid was playing chess silently with his friend, and they're just looking at the, you'd be like, oh, my kid is up to a good thing. Oh
1: sure. I mean, first because Einstein played chess, so is of that course. Well, I think that's part of it. Although, you know, it's really interesting. If you read letters that he used to write.
0: He, Fucking hated he, chess. <laughs>
1: no, no. <laughs> he loved it. But he wrote to people that he was worried that he was addicted to it. He talked a lot about how, how he had this game addiction, which is fascinating when you think about today, how many people worried about, I'm addicted to World of Warcraft or mm-hmm. whatever game. So like, even Einstein worried about being addicted to his well, favorite game.
0: It is real. Game addiction is absolutely real. It right? is.
1: It is real. Um, uh, it is absolutely real. And uh, there are techniques for breaking that pattern. By the way, if you would, do you want a quick technique for how to break? Sure. Okay. There's a whole chapter in in the Super Better book about game addiction and how how to stop it, how to reverse it, um, and what tends to lead people into it. So the biggest. I wish
0: my friend Duncan was here right now. (laughs)
1: Uh, He's the biggest addict I know when (laughs) it comes to video
0: games. Yeah, Um, makes me feel
3: normal.
1: (laughs) Uh, The biggest predictor for. who will become addicted to games and feel like it kind of gets out of control, spirals out of control, is if they're playing for escapist purposes to try to block other feelings. Like I have these all these problems, I'm going to play the game instead. Or I'm I'm feeling anxious, I'm going to play the uh, game I instead. Um, so the way you reverse it is you you have to. I mean, I talk about it as playing to get better. You are instead of playing to avoid something, you focus on what you're doing that is making you better, even if it's just to start getting better at this game then you focus on you know I'm playing with you know my friends it's like improving my relationships or I'm focusing on strategy or building my teamwork skills or whatever it is you start to think about um, other goals outside the game that the game is connected to because the biological process of addiction is the narrowing of goals that the brain responds to this is true for for drug addiction i mean all forms of addiction pornography
0: narrowing of goals that the brain responds to
1: right so you know i said you get like this dopamine hit when you anticipate something good um in in addiction the brain starts to believe that the only source of the next dopamine hit is the thing you're addicted to and you can't imagine other things that are going to make you feel that good or feel that excited. And one of there's this great new book called The Biology of Desire that lays a neuroscientist kind of lays out all the new thinking on addiction. And the way that you break, one of the, the ways you break out of cycle for any addiction is to start priming the brain to anticipate success or pleasure from other things. So you have to, mm. they talk about like widening the scope of what is going to provide that dopamine hit. So in gameplay, you have to stop um, you have to stop thinking about the game as the only source of that 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 good feeling so you have to start thinking about other goals that you have besides just the sort of sense of relief that the game is going to provide um, hmm. so
0: that 's something that they tell addicts that are drug addicts. Use channel that addiction into something else. So that's essentially what they're saying They're mm-hmm. saying what you need to do is find something else But that's positive yeah. that you can get addicted to yeah So you're seeking out that weird chemical reaction in the mind right. when you're stimulated by something else
1: right so instead of
0: chasing crack You'll chase exercise. <laughs> yeah, or-
1: but in the, what we're seeing with games is because games aren't inherently dangerous You don't have to quit playing games and in fact it can be dangerous to just go cold turkey on games because it's like taking someone off an antidepressant without tapering them. Because games have such a powerful impact on our our happiness. You know the how many kids game. are
0: going to listen to this? Go, mom! It's oh, dangerous yeah. for me to quit this game. <laughs> it.
1: It. Well, you. I listen mean, you to see, Jane. There are like suicide. I mean, there are cases of kids who have killed themselves when their parents turn off the game. Um, Those
0: kids would have killed themselves over anything.
1: I. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it is likely related to it's the same thing when you take someone off an antidepressant and the brain is no longer having that. Uh, it, it's like the, you, you you lose your ability to imagine. Is the term add- positive.
0: is the term addiction like is that a flawed term like because it, it, it seems like it's so limiting. Mm-hmm. And 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 so narrow in its scope. We we think of addiction. We think of oh, he's on the heroin. Yeah, you know, like you just automatically think. But really, what is it that your brain has locked into these that's pathways right. of yep. achieving desirable effects?
1: Absolutely. Um, and that's there's a lot. I've I've done some work with some rehabilitation centers, recovery centers for addiction, where they're starting to be more aware of this. The new sense of what addiction is, um, but if people are interested, the, the book that just came out this year about that, the Biology of Desire, does a really good job of explaining it because it's, I mean, the it's a pretty provocative argument. It says that addiction is not a disease. It's it's a fun, it's the brain is functioning absolutely perfectly. It's just focusing on it's like hyper focusing on one goal. But if you had that same brain chemistry about Running a startup company. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg was addicted to his startup Mm -hmm. in the same way that someone can get addicted to a video game or addicted to a substance. You get hyper focused on one goal. It's your only source of of pleasure and anticipation of um, these positive feelings. So it's the brain is working properly. It's not broken. It's not it's not a disease in that sense. It's that uh, it has just gotten stuck. To get on, stuck on, on something that's non-productive. Yeah, that, that is maybe ultimately not good for you physically or not right. good for your the life that you're trying to lead.
0: Good for your career, or good right. for your family life. Or, yeah. I had a buddy that was addicted to um, one of those role-playing games. I, was trying to, it was, I guess it was EverQuest. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he had this really profound statement. We were at the comedy store once. He was one of the managers. And uh, he said, I am so good... At making money in my online life, and so bad at it in my okay. real life. Yeah, yeah. And like he was like he was sitting there like a broken man, and yeah. I'm like, how often he plays? Like eight hours, nine, ten hours a day, every day. Yeah. I go every day, and he goes, yeah, I, um, I can't not play it. And then that's when he said that, like, um, it was like this, this rare break from the game on, during his free time. He wasn't working, and he came down to the comedy store to hang out. He was pasty white pale like yeah. almost gray skinned. Yeah, yeah, because he was just like just drained Malnourished sitting in front of a monitor all the time uh, clicking uh, and moving and clicking Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and so it's like the intervention for that, you know, if you were to sort of follow the guidelines Uh of of how you train, get people to sort of focus on other goals is you would just start by asking him Well, why are you good at making money in this game? What what? What does it take in terms of skill or you know commitment or resource? what are you what are you doing and 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 start to think about strengths and abilities, and then um, when you are thinking about yourself and what you're good at and what you're capable of, it kind of takes you out of you own it. It's not the game, right? The game isn't making you successful or happy. It's your own skills and abilities. And that seems to be, if you look at the scientific literature, just talking about, what you own and what, what is a result of your skills and abilities that that helps you broaden that so you realize you can apply that elsewhere there might be other venues it's not the game that's giving this to me mm. this is something that i own
0: right that's so hard to intellectualize though when you're in the grips of addiction i know
1: i know it's why this is like questions in my book that like literally you can ask someone or you can ask yourself so you don't have to intellectualize it. I mean just do the so the there are a hundred quests in the book. You just do what I do what I tell you to do. They're all designed like little game missions. Um because it is it is it is hard to change your mindset. I mean it's definitely hard. But what we know from studies of all kinds of mindset interventions is that once you do it, it sticks. So unlike a lot of forms of therapy or medication, you have to take this pill for the rest of your life, you have to be in therapy for years. If you can do a mindset intervention, it's done. Benefits are there, it's locked in and you can have a 5 minute mindset intervention and and instead of taking you know prescription for the rest of your life
0: what i found to mitigate my addiction problems or my addictive tendencies is just do a bunch of different things yep. i i have a bunch of different activities that i do and the reason why i do them Perfect. so many different things is to keep from locking on exactly. one exactly
1: so you've like intuitively figured that out already so,
0: well i figured it out from trial and error over yeah. a long life of addiction i i grew up being a addicted to a bunch of different things at Mm. first it was art and then it became martial arts Mm -hmm. and then as i got older became stand-up comedy and it became uh, pool i had a real problem with pool to a point where my manager thought it was ruining my career oh my gosh i was was playing eight ten hours a day i was playing in tournaments all i wanted to do was play pool i would go do my comedy sets and then i'd go play pool till three four o'clock in the morning and then I would get up in the morning I'd go work out. I'd go, uh, you know, go do my comedy and do the same thing every night. And all, but all I was thinking about was the game. I was thinking about, like, yeah. knocking the balls into the whole, like, the the, the dopamine effect yeah. or whatever it is yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Of, of winning yep. of, or of being successful, of running out the table, of having yeah. the ball do what you want it to do. Yeah. And because it's so difficult, the reward is yes. so much. Like, anything that's really, like, if you play a game, it's really easy when you win. It doesn't mean anything. But when you play a game that's really hard to do, that reward is so fucking exciting.
1: Yeah. But this is interesting because, like, you become a more interesting person as a result of having all the things that you do. Like, you're, like, this really, I mean, it's, like, unusual that you have all of these things instead of, you know, being hyper-focused on one aspect. Um, So it's probably... I mean, it seems like a good strategy. I'm just
0: a broad spectrum junkie. That's yeah. it. It's just I have I, a bunch that, of things. That might be. Too.
1: That could be like a recipe for a good life, though. I mean, I, I, this is kind of, I'm kind of interested in that idea now. Like, what? Like you should that, should. that should. be like a thing. Broad spectrum junkie.
0: I mean, it works, right now, but it could go off the rails. Yeah. Well, moment. you got to
1: keep. to keep. You got to keep that circle wide. Yeah, <laughs> I've gone of off the things.
0: rails several times in my life.
1: But it's just like even I like with running. Like I, I definitely use running for my mental health. Um, and if I get an injury, mm. that is really hard for me. I have to replace it with something, or else you know you go into a depression.
0: It's a big thing with jujitsu guys. It's very difficult for them to take the time off before right. they go back and train again once they get injured. Yeah, and I, I have a couple chronic injuries that I have because. One particular of a back injury that was a bulging disc that I just would I would ignore right. I would I would I would hurt it pretty bad. And then two weeks later I'd be sparring again. Yeah, because I just needed that rush yep. Until it got pretty chronic and then yeah, I yeah. had to take a long stretch off and really let it heal up But it gave and this, me that perspective
1: It feels like I mean just hearing you say that makes me think how, really how important it is for people to understand like how this system works so mm-hmm. that you can say look, my brain's telling me to go back and work out now, even though my doctor said don't do it, and I can Google and it says stay off it for six weeks. Um, And to understand your brain is telling you that because it wants that dopamine hit. Mm. If you really wanna rehabilitate properly, you need to start doing other things that produce dopamine hits. And that's, I mean, fantasy sports, for example, do get really into that for the season that you're taking off, um, because that's you're making predictions. So that's really- That's not gonna work. It wouldn't work for you? No chance. Works for a lot of people. Yeah, Play poker then, not I here. need to
0: be active. Yeah, oh physically like, active. Yeah, there's there well, has to be actual physical movement involved. Yeah. That nervousness is a big part of my adrenaline junkie thing. Yeah. It's actual nerves. Yeah, yeah. It's like playing poker is was never exciting to me, even if like people are gambling for a lot of money. Right, whereas right. playing pool. Is extremely exciting because there's the execution the physical execution oh, yeah. of
1: things so you're going into flow state yeah that's what that is right It's
0: too much well I think my brain was wired with martial arts and competing mm-hmm. which is ex- extremely exciting but dangerous and thrilling and the thrills are so high yeah like the thrills of competing are just beyond anything that you can ever get from something that's non-physical non-threatening it's It's high level problem solving with dire physical health consequences. Right. So there's all sorts of craziness involved in it and the intensity and the focus that you need.
1: So you understand that guy on the mm -hmm. skateboard really well, then, actually. Oh, yeah, too well. That's That's what's scary
0: about it to me. That could have fucking easily been me when I was 17 or 18 years old. I I, I understand all that shit. That's why one of the things that freaks me out most about those people that are tightrope walking and. Doing all the, jumping those squirrel suits where they jump off of cliffs and fly around. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> that doesn't always What go. freaks
0: me out is that I get it. Yeah. Th- that's what freaks me out. Yeah. Race oh. car driving, all that shit is like, I understand what this guy's doing. Yeah. He's feeding that monster in his yeah, brain that needs to be shocked and scared and thrilled and yeah. what's next and, ah, you know, it's New
1: like. You feel alive. I mean,
0: yeah. Is- Not just feel alive, but hyper alive. Yeah. Yeah. Hyper alive and very high. Well, it's
1: funny because you were asking about focus earlier. And obviously when you go into that, like, that intense state where there's high stakes, high risk, your attention is so super focused. Mm -hmm. Time slows down and you're able to see more and process more. So that could be part of, I mean, you're interested in, in focus because that's a part of that experience, that high which you don't get there's i mean there's lots of highs where you're not going to have a that's kind of heightened focus and attention there's
0: that and there's the state of peace that's achieved when you've overcome almost insurmountable obstacles and fear and nervousness everything else mm-hmm. like whatever weird problems that you might be uh, dealing with with your personal life they seem so inconsequential like uh like when I would have like uh, relationship problems like a girl I was dating, some craziness about to break up, I would go spar and yeah. I would be like, who gives a fuck? Yeah, yeah You know, yeah. and, and, you know, I would, I remember one time having this conversation with this girl I was dating. It was like so dramatic and nonsense. I'm like, so then I guess we're breaking up. I mean, like what? What are we going to do? Like, fuck, I can't do this. Like, either we like each other or we don't like each other. Either we're going to hang out and have fun or we're not going to hang out anymore. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, oh, you're so cold. You're so. This happy. sounds no, like my I, early
1: 20s. I yeah. Remember that? <laughs>
0: you fucking, you, you really, you gain perspective instead of wallowing around in this. Because yeah. I think there's an addictive pr- aspect of relationships, oh, sure. too. Oh, of yeah. Of the breakup, up thing, mm, yeah. of the the highs and the lows of like. There are some people that are addicted to arguing in relationships. Oh, sure. Well, falling in love
1: is an addiction. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's literally the same process it's the narrowing of attention mm-hmm. on one thing only that person gets you that excited gets you that um with a bunch engaged, of biological like, tricks engaged yeah, too because your
0: body's it. trying to get you to breed
1: yeah and what's really then you get the really problematic relationships when that happens for one person and not the other and that's oh, why you get you stalkers know, yeah well you get like <laughs> but it's like it's why it's why somebody seems you don't understand even if you're dating and you kind of like that person but they're already they're down the road they're phys- like they are they're they're in love they are addicted and then your behavior might seem totally crazy to me because I'm not there yet. And mm. even though I liked you, because you're further along in that process and that sort of narrowing of attention,
3: yeah. uh,
1: I freak out. Whereas if, you know, maybe if I had waited a few more weeks, I might have been that I might have been far enough along that it actually doesn't scare me off. You know, like people who fall in love at different rates, it's yeah. not it's not necessarily like that, that you're a crazy person and I'm a normal person and therefore I shouldn't date you. It's just your further—the biochemical processes look a little faster for you. Um, I also think, like, there are couples who break up too soon because one of them came kind of cut further along in the addiction process than the other.
0: What a weird way to look at it. But, yeah, I mean, and also it's like the same exact person, you could meet them six months later and they're perfect.
1: Right, yes. Or
0: you meet them right, right. now. Because maybe like, they have oh. enough
1: going on in their life that they mm-hmm. fall in love slower. Sure. Right, because you'll fall in love faster if there's nothing else getting you mm. excited in your day, right?
0: What's also that term, fall in love. Like, what, what exactly is going on there? Like, right. what does that mean? Right. You know, you're just syncing up whatever yeah. personality aspects that you have, holes and square pegs and round holes, and everyone's trying to figure out where everything fits in. And then it, there's also a weird thing where uh, we've all had friends that alter who they are when they start dating someone. Yeah. It's very strange to see, yeah. too. Yeah. You know, like they'll stop talking to some of their friends or they change their behavior pretty radically and you're like, whoa, what's going You're like fitting into this mold yeah. that the other person requires. Yeah. Like one person is either more dominant or you're both like super fucking codependent. So you need each other all the time. Yeah. Like I have a friend, this motherfucker can't go anywhere without his girlfriend. He doesn't do anything without her. I mean, and he uh, 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 invite him over for a podcast. Boom, brings his girlfriend. You know, come on over for the game. Oh, she's here too. Great. You know, like he, he doesn't go to the movies, doesn't do anything. Like, is like he, does he?
1: Is he happy? Ah, like he's that? a
0: fucking mess. No. he's a mess. <laughs> but the two of them are a mess together, and oh. it's like inescapable pair. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. Yeah. But maybe they're happy. Messy, happy.
0: Maybe. Maybe. I yeah. don't know. That's I don't know either. Say. Well, it's, it's what is happiness? That's strange. I mean, it's like they're not depressed. They're not jumping off bridges. Yeah. You know, they're bolting. They're not shooting heroin.
1: Good. You know, this like, all sounds good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Like what, what is it that makes people addicted to each other? Cause they most certainly get addicted to each other. Yeah. Like the feeling when someone breaks up with you, when you can't believe they're oh, gone, yeah. Yeah. like that is like, a like someone's stolen something from yeah. you. Like they've stolen your happiness by yeah. taking off and just simply leaving you alone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like no. you,
0: they, they are a part of you. Like yeah. your whole, is yes. m- your, your, your whole is missing a slice. Yeah. Like the whole of you.
1: I know that it means all the metaphors that people use. It really does feel that way. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. But, but isn't that a biological trick just to get us to breed? Like you yeah. stick around long enough to make a baby and then you know fall in love with the baby so that you raise it so that that baby can go and have a baby And the sense of community that you have all sort of is addictive and it keeps you together which ensures survival
1: oh yeah i mean that's why cooperation feels good it's why kindness Mm -hmm. feels good i mean so 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 tricky it is and it's like i don't know you can i mean i'm a very practical person i mean i think i try to help people feel good i want to feel good you know cooperation and kindness you know those things help society and help evolution and like we're stronger together yeah and it feels good uh like that's that's practical and and I I don't mind that you know evolution's kind of tricking me I mean I have two babies I have a seven month old twin daughters oh wow and uh you know, if if this is a trick of biology how I feel about them, I'm totally cool with that because it feels good.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's
1: biology's trick. To it's... me it tells me it feels good. I like it. Thank you biology for giving me these feelings I never had before.
0: Yeah, I mean you can kind of intellectualize it down to the point where it's no longer enjoyable cuz like isn't life itself a trick in a sense because it's really temporary mm-hmm. no matter what you can accumulate all the outies and, and Beautiful houses and boats you want but at the end of the day it's over
3: mm-hmm. You know
0: like you use the sunrises the sun sets and you got a certain amount of time and that's yeah. it So you can intellectualize that to the point where you're like well, what's the fucking point? Yeah. I'm just gonna end it now and some people do do that yeah. they almost get to this thing where they can't be in the moment because they don't know how long the moment lasts and mm-hmm. the anticipation of the moment ending is just too freaky, so mm-hmm. they're like, fuck this, I'm out. It's sort of the same thing as my friend who can't play the video game if he's gonna lose and he pulls the plug. I mean, really, there's a lot of a lot of the same sort of qualities and characteristics of that kind of thinking. So yeah. it's like There's over-intellectualizing or over-analyzing to the point where you can't even enjoy what it is.
1: I feel like I really want to work on this friend of yours, like like video no, game therapy to like. Nope. Well, it sounds like an interesting project. He's
0: a egomaniac. You don't no. want to do it. Oh, gosh. Too much problems.
1: I like. But I like. I like the idea of like how would you help somebody who can't lose? Like who's a who's about
0: You should be so happy that you're trying to help him because that means you're talking about him. <laughs> it's like you're focusing on him. But there's a lot of have, oh, but no. I mean, he's alive. He lives in America. He's not in Ethiopia living in a right. grass house. You know, it's like right. he's lucky as fuck. Yeah. You, you got to think. I, 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 it's at a certain point in time that uh, there's, there's, there's levels to to like happiness and harmony. The harmony that you achieve with the environment that you find yourself in, and the more chaos that you create, and the more problems that you create just to solve those problems, it's got that that energy keeps you from doing something else, and that energy yep. is going to block you yep. from. The other pursuits.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you need to take committed action towards positive things.
0: And in a sense, the entirety of your life is a
1: game. Of course. Yes, it is. I have a a kind of funny story about that. Um, You know, I did the Colbert Report a few years ago. And when you did that... Does he break character? So, well, well, he comes not... No, not, well, not exactly. So he comes into the dressing room beforehand and they don't do a pre-show interview because they want you to be kind of off guard and Mm -hmm. off balance. And he comes in and he says, you know, have you seen the show? Okay, I'm going to be in character and uh, I'm going to be really stupid and stubborn and your job is to disabuse me of my stupid and stubborn ideas. Um, And they said, now, let me ask you a question. Uh, Is, you know, is life a game? And I was like, is this, is he like, is he practicing... You know, is this like a, am I, are we practicing some kind of witty rapport for the show or whatever? So I'm like, I'm trying to go into that mode. And I'm like, well, you know, yes, of course it is. And he's like, if life is a game, and we spend all our time playing it. Why are we so bad at it? And I'm like, I'm like totally thrown off. I'm like, is he being like, philosoph- I don't like, mm-hmm. anyway. It turned out he was actually being quite philosophical. And he had, like, sure he he had all of these, you know, sort of thoughts about, you know, like, I mean, he started mentioning philosophy books he'd read and everything. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is like not like a, not like a, you know, witty, like banter mm-hmm. practice. He was like really thinking about that. And I always, uh, I, know, I often not I I mean to return to that question and try to come up with a better answer for him someday.
0: Well, it's a complicated <laughs> game and there's no instruction book. That's why we're so bad at it. I mean, it's not everybody's bad at it. You right. run into people, you go, wow, this person this is a really cool game going on. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but it is just a game. I mean, yeah. essentially what, what the problem is that there's loaded words like the, the word addiction is a loaded word. It's a loaded term. Uh, I think the word game is a loaded term, yeah, yeah. too. It's a complicated series of events that you're trying to manage. Yep. And you're trying to manage risk and reward and benefit and the positive and negative aspects of mm-hmm. behavior. Essentially, it's exactly the same as a game. They're completely indistinguishable. Yeah, it's one of them is just open-ended and There's you know, there's no clear pathway It's a game that literally you're standing in the middle of the universe BAM and especially in 2015 if you have the means you can get on a plane and go to another part of the game you know, you could just hop on a plane and you know, we were talking before this podcast started about uh, the Radiolab uh, podcast that's out today um, about that guy who was on my podcast, Corey Knowlton, who shot that rhino. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a guy who took the game and decided to go to a fucking place he totally doesn't belong or is never, you know, never is not born there or whatever. Not shouldn't say doesn't belong, but a completely different area of the game. And he's doing something over there. And everybody over in this part of the game is like, what the fuck are you doing over there? Like some guy who gets on a boat and decides to sail across the world. Right. like, whoa, 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 what right. are you doing? Right. Well, he decided that he's going to go to a different part of the board. Yep. And he's going to get on a boat and he's going to drink rainwater and try to catch fish and travel across the fucking ocean. But this
1: is interesting. Like, people are playing different kinds of games. Mm-hmm. So, like, the guy who wants to kill a rhino, that's a combat Game and the person who wants to sail around in the boat is doing exploration. It's an mm-hmm. adventure game, and other people are doing the you know, re- collection game where you're requiring resources. Uh-huh. And, um, I, well, mean, I think the-,
0: the rhino guy's doing the collection game too well, in a yeah, weird way. Right, right. He's collecting bodies. Yes.
1: Yeah. You that's know?
0: true. Yeah. And I think the, the guy who's on the boat is doing the collection game too because he's collecting accolades. You know, I okay. made it across the ocean. Oh, right. Well, like so he's if an you make achiever, it across it, the, yeah. yeah. The real way to do it is go across the ocean, don't tell anybody.
1: Right. Where have you well, been for the last six months? You know,
0: just chilling, trying to find myself. Well you know Even while you're on a boat.
1: <laughs> when I started training for a marathon, <laughs> I was like, I'm not telling because I don't I want it to like just, be internal. Yeah, I want it to be from well, you know Cuz it's like this weird bias some people have about runners that like they brag about it a lot or like they do it To like show off.
0: Do you, you know? know who says that people who wish they were running? I really believe that Because yeah. if you run like I have my friend Cameron Cameron Haynes He's run two ultra marathons mm. And he'll you know post about it on his Instagram or he'll show you his time or something like that But he's trying to like He's an athlete, and he's sponsored by a bunch of companies. And part of his gig is that he inspires people, and he really feels good about that. Yeah. It's like a genuine thing that he does. Takes people running up these mountains, but you'll see these people that like bitch about it. Like these guys run, he's run a hundred miles in twenty-four hours. If that's not impressive, not worth Then you need about. to yeah. go look in the mirror and find out what the fuck actually impresses you. Yes, yeah. so like, I mean, you it,
1: post a picture of your breakfast. You can't yeah. get mad about. Yeah. <laughs> if they ran. Yeah. Oh, look miles. My eggs. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's like... What, why do people get upset that you say you're going to run a marathon? Why would anybody get upset? It's hard to run a marathon. You're yeah. going to run for three and a half, four hours, or whatever yeah. the hell your time is. Yeah. That's a fucking long time. Yeah. It's hard for me to do 20 minutes on the elliptical machine and not get bored. Yeah. I could keep going for a lot longer, yeah, yeah. but at 20 minutes, I'm like, fuck, am I done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get this over with. When someone says they ran a, a marathon, yeah. you start to question your own resolve.
1: Yes, which is like one of the reasons why they so do it.
0: You're showing your score. Yeah, You're showing your game score and people yeah. are getting pissed. Yeah,
1: well, too high a score. Fucking showing her high score, Although well, sometimes, I, mean, sometimes <laughs> I will post a terrible run because I like, you don't want to be too inspiring that people feel like they can't do it. Like, Fuck
0: those people. No, but
1: it's like I'll do, a, I'll do a slow run so that people will see like, no. hey, if you're, no, that it's They're like, okay. tricking you into no,
0: doing true. shitty scores. <laughs> They're tricking you
1: that's
0: true yeah. that's also true well there's definitely that there's there's a lot of people who when someone will accomplish something i i will, I'm fascinated by watching the observers and one of the, well, the Instagram observers are the most fascinating because whenever i go to someone's page someone's done something cool like you know my friend cameron running 100 miles I'll look at the, the the negative comments and I go to their Instagram page and mm. they're almost always blocked. It's almost always mm. private. Mm. Like locked like you you have to you have to be one of their accepted friends in order to comment on their pictures Interesting. because they're hiding because right. they're, they're not putting themselves right. out there. Right. They're not showing their right. life. Which
1: and which means they don't understand the vulnerability mm. involved. Like if you were if you had the experience of having other people write on your stuff mm-hmm. the same way that you were doing on someone else. You might not be doing that.
0: Well, they're playing the low, they're playing tic tac toe. Right. Where someone else is out (laughs) there playing chess.
1: Yeah. That's got to be like the new, like, zing. Like, Mm. man, you're playing tic tac toe. Yeah. That's like.
0: Tic tac toe playing motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of what it is. If life is this really super complex, open ended game where essentially. If you live in a free culture like we do, you know, we're not living in North Korea where you're assigned a job. And if you don't cry right. when something happens, you know, you go to jail, you, your your game is essentially open-ended. Yep. It's not. That's okay. one of the reasons why when people get out of jail, oh, they yeah. find themselves like institutionalized is the word. But they find themselves so trapped in the yeah. game of jail yeah. that that's how their brain is wired. Yeah. It's really extremely difficult for them to deal with the open-ended game yep. of life.
1: Yeah. I mean, even for, you see it with, when someone graduates college, kids who have been from the top colleges, who have been taught to play the game of achieving mm-hmm. and achieving in this really rigid structure, and then they get out into the world and nobody's telling them, here here are the things you have to do to be considered a good student or be right. successful, and then they just lose it.
3: Mm-hmm. It's they, too much.
1: Yeah, because they don't, they are not, they have not been directing their own game, mm-hmm. right? It's like you if you if you haven't been designing the game now you have to suddenly acquire that skill for yourself it's
0: also one of the problems that some people have with career academics people that never participated yeah. in the real world they yeah. went from college to teaching college and then they also uh, they require these rigid standards of behavior and thinking I know I heard control. your show about that yeah the, about the
1: Atlantic article It's fascinating yeah, yeah, yeah that is well it's interesting because it, I've been so steeped in psychology literature um and uh a lot of the folks who play super better are traumatized and they've they've been through ptsd Hmm. um and it is absolutely true that avoiding triggers prolongs the problem i mean so i i mean i can look at the scientific literature and say trigger warnings are actually not they're not going to help they're going to make you weaker over time it's like we were talking about you know oh i'm so scared of the bad guy i have to avoid everything that Mm -hmm. is a trigger. we we know that that's not true. So when I, you know, when I hear about that, I, you know, I wish, and I try to talk to people, And I tweet, when that article came out, I tweeted about, and I have a lot of people who follow me who are, you know, have PTSD, and they're very conflicted about whether they're supposed to avoid triggers, and they like trigger warnings, because they think it's going to keep them safe. But everything we know is that you need to get better at controlling your reaction to the trigger, avoiding it. Doesn't help. So I can I can see why that's so frustrating to people.
0: Well, the, the, one of the most frustrating aspects of that article in particular was that what's going on in colleges today is it's it's a control issue. Yeah. It's the, they're controlling behavior in such an extreme yeah. way that they're they are they want to penalize people for microaggressions, right. which is like you say something and I go all right. Which is just a part of a fucking human interaction with you, like if I say something to you and you give me a sarcastic response, I have to decide you know what i don 't enjoy communicating with her because she she makes me feel bad, or I have to say maybe i 'm fucking douchey, and maybe people react to me in a negative way, and I should think about. Not what I want to say or how I want to say things, but rather how people might view what I'm saying and how they take it in. And maybe I'm just an ineffective communicator. And maybe what's going on here is just, you know, there's there's like two people playing soccer. Okay, they're both trying to hit the ball and they collide into each other. Whose fault is it? It's well, they're both. It's just non-smooth movement. Yep. And that, that sort of interaction that you would get when you're trying to hit a soccer ball, it's very similar to the interaction that you have when two people are communicating with each other. Yeah, yeah. You're you, you, the colliding people. One person is not necessarily totally responsible for that collision. Yeah. They're both sort of responsible for it. And there's a, there's a, a, a whole dance going on with oh, yeah. poor decision making in the moment and yeah. lack of experience and collisions and lack of an understanding of the consequences of those yeah. collisions. All that is a part of going to college. Yes, I mean, All that is a part of growing up. And when you have people that are shielding you from I microaggressions, yeah. Yeah. My, all that shit is just a part of being a human and dealing with your m- hormones and emotions and yeah. you're separated from your yeah. family for the first time and now you're yeah. in Michigan and some fucking crazy university and you got some fat, stupid teacher that's never even existed outside the real world and they're dictating your behavior patterns and telling you you're not allowed to use uh, male and female pronouns anymore and all I- that I like
1: I like the teachers, I mean you know, I have a lot of friends who are who are you know they teach at university, so as do I I, I will remove the fat, stupid
0: well, I'm teacher just, part. <laughs> let's let's say skinny <laughs> smart brilliant <laughs> or whatever <laughs> what, it, but, it's like, i'm fat but stupid is, I don't even mean like physically, what I mean is just like. This this uh, b- bloated sort of lazy entity that is creating this environment where you're you're establishing this yeah, artificial my, realm. my
1: guess is, looking at what's going on, this is not coming from instructors or faculty. That this is coming from the students. That's just a it. phenomenon. But I mean, it certainly it certainly was. Uh, I mean it. It's This is definitely a younger phenomenon. It's not like something like deeply entrenched. People who came up, I mean, my professors are totally weird, like friends who are professors, are totally weirded out by it, mm. don't know how to handle it. They're not creating that culture. I mean, it's definitely something coming from the students who have been raised in this culture of, you know, uh, I mean, it's, the, it's a very protective culture and you don't, nobody should have their feelings hurt and mm-hmm. everybody, you know, nobody should... Experience failure or rejection. I mean, I, th- I feel like it's more from that culture than from anything Related to like contemporary academia or the, well, that's the a faculty. Weird
0: thing because isn't contemporary academia uh, academia overwhelmingly liberal and progressive
1: uh, I mean, I think so, I right. think po- on the political spectrum, and yeah w-
0: when you have uh, something that's moving in one very particular direction, oftentimes yeah. people will try to outdo themselves, but or the faculty are not in control thought.
1: i mean this is this is I think the reason why a student culture would have so much impact on this is because universities are now like business models, and mm. the, the customer is always right i mean that's not the professor is not the one who is. Uh, who is going to like the professors more often than not resist. It's really more at the level of uh the 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 business side of the college that is trying to make, you know, this a make make this a good customer experience for the student. I mean, I think that is that is more of the divide. I don't think the the political affiliations of faculty is not I mean, none of that is really what's going on. It's really more about the students pay so much money for college now and they expect lots of perks and they expect they're they're paying for a certain experience um, I think that is really where you're seeing a lot of the friction come because the, this particular younger generation is um, seems to be if you look at you know what a lot of the experts are saying they want they don't want the things that feel painful or feel like failure or feeling like stress
0: Well, if that's the case, then why are they pointing out all these flaws in all these other people's behavior to control them, and flaws in the way people uh, express themselves, flaws? Yeah, yeah.
1: But I mean, it's uh, part of it is obviously things need to change, right? I mean, like Like what
0: needs to change? Well, I'm
1: like, for instance, I'm a woman. I play games. If I log into an online video game, I don't want to be called a cunt. Every time I log in to play. Mm,
0: Does that happen a lot? Yeah, of course. And do you think that happens a lot because of what we talked about earlier where there's the the interaction of just dealing in text is very strange and the interaction without people being right there with each other?
1: Yes. I mean, absolutely. Um, Seems like
0: totally unnatural, right? Yes.
1: Yes. And people, I mean, I don't, that doesn't happen to me in real life. Right. That's what I was going to ask. Like (laughs) how many
0: people in real life say those things to you? Nobody. Nobody. Like how bizarre, right? Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, you enter into this world, so isn 't that a function almost of the world itself being completely unnatural more so than than the people being any different in that world
1: i 'm not sure, but I mean so all of that is to say, there are things that people say and do in everyday life that are legitimately offensive sure and uh, i mean i don 't use the terminology microaggressions i don 't use that the trigger warning terminology, so I think we 're like in this period where, on one hand, things do need to change in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have Nobel laureate scientists giving speeches where they say that it's he doesn't like to have women in the lab because either they fall in love with you or you fall in love with them and then you can't work together. Mm-hmm. I mean, when some when a Nobel laureate says that to a conference of, you know, young scientists, that... That's not helpful. I don't think. But I wouldn't. That's not. You know that
0: that was taken out of context. Do you know the full extent of his phrase? It was a joke, and he was also talking about his wife, and because he met his wife in the lab, and and he was also making himself to be a fool. It was was very self-deprecating. Do you know the? I did. I
1: did read some sort of re, re reassessment. Of that
0: yeah Dawkins printed the uh, a full version of what he said and yeah. it's very different yeah and also everyone I, read, I, read laughing. The full,
1: I read the full version mm-hmm. yeah um, but so it's like so this is actually a perfect example because so if he was joking mm-hmm. right so his intentions are totally good is it possible that it's still not helpful to make that that kind of a statement that's I think that's what people are talking about
2: mm-hmm. right
1: uh, when if, if on one hand, there's a lot of interest in trying to increase the number of women in science and technology, is it possible that somebody would hear that, and still be kind of demotivated by it, or kind of have that sink in? So I think people are when they're when we're discussing these things, uh, I, you don't have to police other people's language, but mm-hmm. I think it's I still think it's useful to say that might not be helpful.
0: Yeah, the, there's uh, an article in the leak transcript, uh, the leak transcript. What, what happened was the people that saw it thought it like at least some of them thought it was funny and but there were aspects of what he said that were probably clumsy, or right. clunky right. or you know he was trying to be funny and he's really just sort of an odd guy who's a scientist yeah. and uh, people decided that this is an awesome target like let's go after it. Right and you should make an example yeah.
1: which happens on the on, I mean the whole People get shamed on the internet yeah. now. That's, that's what happens. Um, I mean, my, you know, I don't have any expertise in this area, so it's probably not, you know, worth me deciding about this it. This is an
0: official quote. He says, It's strange that such a chauvinist monster like me has been asked to speak to women scientists. Let me tell you about my trouble with girls his trouble with girls. Mm-hmm. Three things happen when they're in the lab. You fall in love with them, they fall in love with you, and when you criticize them, they cry. Perhaps we should make separate labs for boys and girls. Now seriously, I'm impressed with the economic development of uh one second, this is fucked up here. of uh crazy. it was it was him joking.
1: Yeah, but he's definitely he's joking playing on stereotypes that girls cry and girls can't handle criticism. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just saying it's Yeah. It's, I, I'm not going to say that there, I, it's, I think it's totally fine to say, Hey, when you say these things, it might uh, result in some girl thinking, wait, maybe I'm not going to be a good scientist because, because people say that girls aren't good in the lab or whatever. It's just, I, well, I wouldn't like, say it. That's, yeah I wouldn't say it. Uh, and I try to be. I try to be you know even when we say things like about people who play games a lot mm-hmm. you know um, oh they're they're wasting their lives you know why don't you go out and do something real um, I don't think that's useful to say either I think that that's actually uh, can be really damaging to well, people's self identity you
0: generalize you know men yeah. do this and women yeah. do that and girls aren't good at being in the lab and it's 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 damaging and I think now he understands that a joke like that as innocent as uh, he might have intended it to be, when you're reading it in a text form, yeah. especially and you're taking some yeah. of it out of context, it can be it can be uh, offensive. It can be hurtful for someone who's con- considering like, th- how many girls were reading that that were considering a possible career in science when, I don't have to deal with fucking people like this. Like, yeah. I don't want to, I'm not going to cry in your lab, asshole. Yeah. I just want to do work. I want to be a scientist.
1: Yeah. So but, we don't need to like police people to have this conversation of, right. you know, it so that well, does that's sort of I,
0: expose in some ways it exposes uh prevalent attitudes um that this guy who is this esteemed nobel winning scientist has this attitude you know that he thinks it's funny to yeah. joke around about it like even if he's not a sexist or a bad guy him making this joke about himself being some chauvinist monster yeah and It's because one of the things is because his wife is a prominent feminist And so he jokes around about him being a chauvinist monster. Uh Yeah. Yeah, you know,
1: well, that makes sense
0: Yeah, Yeah. I mean that's it's all out of context and it's all also you're dealing with a guy who's Whose real focus is his research not social interaction. Right. Right. He's not like a nuanced speaker He's not a guy who is a carefully considered uh, speaker who gets on stage and thinks about everything and the impact of all I mean He like we were talking about like the awkward interaction that people might have in college Well, this guy's awkward interaction is him being forced to write a speech Like right. if he did this a bunch of times he'd probably get really way better at it right. And you if you sat down with him alone And you, you guys were just talking over a glass of wine. Maybe you'd understand how his brain works better
1: Yeah,
0: maybe I Which would, as would well. have been more yeah. useful. I mean yeah. it,
1: if if something offends you it's more useful to have a conversation about mm-hmm. it than to just start, you know.
0: Yeah, but it's fun to blog and shit all of this guy. Know, this, this guy, he's old and he's white. And he's yeah. famous, or well, he's, uh, somebody you know, will
1: write a book about the neurochemistry of outrage mm-hmm. soon because it's it's its own high, you know.
0: It's recreational. Recreational yeah. outrage is yes. without a doubt a real thing right yeah. now, yeah. and I think that that's what's going on in colleges and that people are finding. When you're in college, it's like when you were talking about the addiction that people have to video games And then one of the things that sort of stimulates that addiction is if you're trying to avoid things in your regular life right. Well, if you are in college the the overwhelming anxiety of being a young person Who has gone from being living with their parents going to high school right. now? You're in college and you're just a couple years away from the cliff of real world yeah. like you're fucking sliding towards it and You're trying to define it and redefine it and change it and establish yourself and then then along the way comes things that you can be angry at. Well, you will point your fucking fury, that a really unmeasured or unbalanced fury at those things, where it doesn't necessarily make sense, but it makes sense to you because what you're really doing is you're avoiding the angst of social anxiety, of, yeah. of, 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 of sexual rejection, and all the all the shit that makes a person feel weird things, and you channel that towards yeah. microaggressions, or you channel that towards sure. someone, tre- you know, deciding to address you with a male or a female pronoun, you know, there's like, there's a lot yeah. of weirdness to being a person and yeah. that, that,
1: but you know, as the last thing well, I want to say about this is part of it is I think people are just trying to make new rules for the game, right? Mm. You know, and, and when you're trying to change the rules of a game that is really upsetting if you're in the middle of the game you yes. play in a game and yes. someone's like wait totally yes. you can't do that now or, it's That's he, he and
0: she we've always been he yeah. and she yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah it's like oh you're playing soccer you can't kick the ball anymore with your feet like right and you're in the middle of the game you right know? right right so but that it doesn't mean as a game designer would say it doesn't mean that there isn't a better game that actually could have different rules but it's really upsetting to be in the middle of a game and have somebody say, wait, right. those aren't the rules. Yes. So, you know, maybe we should, maybe we should, um, I don't know. I don't know how to do it better because, I mean, look, I'm a progressive person. And I'm glad that things are changing in society in lots of ways, you know, that I'm excited about.
0: Like what makes you happy? Like, uh, what, do you, what do you think is good about the changes in society in, uh, in a progressive way?
1: Well, I'm, I'm really glad that we have marriage equality now. I'm really excited about that. I'm glad that um, I mean, paternity and maternity leave. You know, becoming more people having longer maternity leave and f- the same length paternity leave for dads as a new parent. I you mm-hmm. know really excited to see sure. companies doing that. Um, and I like I like you know uh, I like that we're starting to talk about income inequality. I mean, optimistic that there will be changes in that direction. And I I think that. Uh, I think the Black Lives Matter is hugely important movement. I think so. I think there's a lot of conversations going on right now, where people are angry or have struggled or feel like they've been playing a rigged game, and uh, so it's not it's not going to be pleasant, and not all the tactics are going to be effective or good, either. Mm-hmm. But uh, but
0: the general attitude is definitely moving in a more progressive direction.
1: I think so. And even as somebody who has been. You know, I've I've had Twitter, you know, hordes yelling at me because they thought that I was breaking one of the new rules of how we're supposed to
0: Like what did people yell at you? So over? my
1: one of the big instances I had was uh about uh my recommendations for playing Tetris after a trauma. So there have been multiple randomized control studies now out of Oxford University showing that if you play Tetris within twenty four hours of a traumatic event, it will reduce the flashbacks you have, the severity of flashbacks and other PTSD symptoms, because it occupies your brain and prevents your brain from kind of locking in in, in an obsessive compulsive way on the trauma, right? Mm-hmm. So this is, I think this is incredibly important advice that everyone should know, kind of like stop, drop and roll. You know, if you catch on fire, mm-hmm. you know what to do. Um, everybody should have Tetris on their phone and have it available to them. If, if Because I know having suffered flashbacks from my own head injury how, I mean, I would have nightmares and be of which I was hitting my head, and I would feel it as if were real. And I'd wake up and I'd be convinced that I had hit my head in the middle of the night um, and was going to have this experience all over again. Um, just nightmares constantly. So I know how bad it's going to be. I want people to do it. When I started tweeting about it, people. I got told that there needed to be like trigger warnings on my <laughs> tweets because I was mentioning PTSD and I might make somebody think about like a trauma that they'd experienced and um, well they're and, trying
0: to change the game
1: yeah so it's like I under I don't you know I've, I've been on the other side of it where people have said that I'm doing it wrong but at the same time I recognize there are people who are suffering or angry or they have been at a disadvantage because of the way the game is rigged and so I'm okay with This they're being like we're all gonna be uncomfortable for a while as these things change and that's you know
0: So you're uncomfortable with being unjustly Accused of being insensitive when well, you're bringing out the scientific research yeah. that shows that a game can help you with trauma
1: Yeah, I mean, you're com- I I'm with that. I've I've I'm gonna keep doing it mm-hmm. you know but I understand that the people who say it are hurting the people who who are telling me that I'm triggering them? But that's has, so
0: irrational. I well, think that all irrational yeah. <laughs> behavior like that should either be ignored or shit on. I really do. That's, I just think it's dangerous. I think it's dangerous yeah. when it gets pointed out. Like you're you're sci- you're pointing out the scientific aspects yeah. of a very specific activity that's yeah. very good for trauma, yeah. and they're saying that you shouldn't talk about this. I know that's I know. nonsense.
1: but that's why I. I still talk about it right, but I don't have to get into a fight with them about no you certainly them.
0: don't you should ignore them Right or shit on them if you yeah. depending on how you feel yeah, but I, I think that there's there's definitely uh, I, I like how we're def- Defining life as like a giant game yeah. or is equal to a giant game because I think that that's what's going on Also with the reaction the negative reaction to progressive thinking now like uh, I was tweeting something about um this woman in uh, Kentucky that was trying to stop people from getting gay marriage licenses. And uh, I really, I took a few days where I wasn't paying attention to Twitter that much, and I didn't know that there was this giant movement supporting this woman. And I went to Mike Huckabee's fucking Twitter page and saw that this crazy old asshole was like saying that there's a war against Christians and that like hashtag religious liberty and so I was like that doesn't have religious liberty doesn't mean you enforce your religion on other people. (laughs) like That's so crazy. yeah And there was so much blowback. I got so many people tweeting at me, angrily tweeting at me for saying like and I tweeted something about Ted Cruz about how ridiculous his views are on gay marriage and like that he's probably gay and I'm like if you listen to the way that guy talks—he's super feminine. Like this, like how many times do we have to see this where these men? Because right. I have a bit that I used to do in my act. That there's two types of people that hate gay marriage. It's either you're really dumb or you're secretly worried that dicks are delicious. Those right. are the people. And yes. like this guy is like, there's something going on here. Yeah. Like, Why does he care so much about yeah. two people that are in love, that are, but watching the people that are angry that the game is being redefined. Yes, that's it. And there was all this, it was all this Christian stuff that was attached to it. Like, yeah. well, guess what, guess what else it says not to do in the Bible? It says not to get divorced. Mm-hmm. Like this lady, the same lady has been divorced three yeah. times. She's yeah. on her fourth marriage. Yeah. Guess what else it says? You're not supposed to have tattoos. Okay. Mm-hmm. All these people are tattooed with religious symbols on them. You got a cross on your arm, and you tattooed it. Gee, fucking, you got to read the whole book. <laughs> I mean, like, like, this is crazy. Yes. Like the things that they choose, and it, what it is, is they're trying to they're trying to define the world that they're playing in. Yeah, they're trying
1: to define the game. And I think it's important because even though I might disagree, I mean, I I vehemently disagree with people whose perspectives seem to be fueled by hate. But I think it's important to still try to have the empathy or the, the mental insight to understand why does this make them feel so bad? And I think what you just said, you know, the feeling that you thought you understood the rules. Mm. I mean, religion is a set of rules. You thought you understood it. You're, you're playing the game right. You're doing it right. Um, and it is, it is psychologically distressing to have somebody else tell you, we're playing a different game. Yeah. You know, Your game sucks. Um, And you're not going to be able to play it anymore. Uh, I I try to understand where those feelings are coming from. Because if you're going to change people's minds, you know, you have to, I think you have to acknowledge that they are in a real, they are really in distress about this. You know, they're not doing this just to be jerks. I mean, they... This be in distress is to them
0: but why are they in distress about something that doesn't directly affect them I, that's it's, where it is but gets it's weird. because of
1: what you just said because yeah. it is it is it feels it's they have committed to a framework a set of rules and 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 put that's once you're in it you're in it and and you know when you're playing a game you always try to stop the cheaters and you protect the boundaries of the game mm-hmm. that's, that's the the yeah. mindset you get into and they're just they think they're just doing this is what a country comes
0: that was established by Christian yeah. values. Yes, the fucking games locked.
1: Yes. okay You can't yes. change the rules. That's that's it It
0: really does seem like we we've kind of touched on something here Yeah, this is a this has been a really good one for me as a, the, the overall looking at the, the whole existence as uh, instead of defining it by the word game but looking at it with almost the same sort of uh, attitude or approach that you would look at a game, yeah, is uh, very beneficial.
1: Good, <laughs> it's worked for me. <laughs>
0: you, your eyes got big like saucers, like you, like you did it. You did it. You scored. You made it happen. <laughs> yeah, I think um, also um, like the 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 ebb and flow of culture, like the things that are, seem to definitely even. Even though I resist like this nonsense about microaggressions and trigger warnings and stuff like that I'm very happy that things are moving in the direction of acceptance Yeah Very happy that you know like you can be whatever the fuck you want You decide you're a woman today go ahead as long as you don't hurt anybody Who cares this guy wants to wear dresses and he wants you to call him Jane now Fine okay You know these two guys want to get married to each other terrific You know these two people want to stop wearing makeup and they want to What do you give a shit who cares Who cares? Or they want to dye their hair blue. That's fine, too. Like, eventually, we'll all figure out that we are all just unique individuals that are a part of this gigantic Mm superorganism. And the most conducive way or the most harmonic way... Harmonious way for us to interact with each other is to fuck with each other's path the least whatever path You're on your way in your game as long as it doesn't like negatively affect people Mm -hmm. as long as you're not a destroyer You're not out there your path is to burn down other people's houses Your path is to steal your path is to to hurt people as long as that's not going on why care and and then Ultimately, once that is established, I think then we will focus on, okay, well, what are our real real issues? Our real issues aren't gay people getting married to each other. Our real issues are the people that actually are burning houses down, yeah. the people yeah. that are stealing. Yeah. Like, these are the real issues that people have, people that are not microaggressions, but actual aggressions, people that are actually committing crimes against each other, mm-hmm. people that are, and why are they doing that? Well, what is wrong with their game? What happened yeah. to them? Like, what, what series of events have placed exactly. them in this sort of yeah. position?
1: Yeah, yeah, because because it's not, I mean, people don't get into that in a vacuum.
0: No. I think that's also something you realize once you have children, like you have now. And as a father, one of the things that's changed radically in my life is seeing people now. Like when I meet people, I see them as babies Mm -hmm. that have grown up. Like, I don't yeah. see them as being in a static state,
3: Yeah.
0: you know, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's very strange. Like even assholes that I meet, i look at them and I even go, that guy's a fucking asshole. I think of them as like, what happened to that yeah. person? Well, that you know, got- that's
1: like, a, that's, I, I practice Zen Buddhism and that's like one of the big Buddhist meditations is to picture people as babies. Yeah. Like when you feel hate for somebody try to visualize them all the way down to their little baby self and picture what they look like as a baby and to think about who they were when they were that baby before all of life happened to them Mm -hmm. to make them into somebody that has now triggered these, you know, hate feelings of anger. But it's also
0: in the womb. You know, I was talking to Michael Irvin, who's a famous pro football player who's talking to me um, about, Kids that grow up in horrible environments, dangerous, volatile environments, where the mother has all this cortisol in her brain while the child's in the womb, and the the kid literally grows up. Like, with a short temper. Yeah. They literally, they're, they're developed out of the womb. Yes. Like, constantly worried about stress and danger.
1: Yeah. Hypervigilant. Yeah. All of that.
0: I've had feral cats. I had a cat that was feral that I raised. And uh, he was fucking terrified of everything from yeah. the time he was a baby. Yeah. And uh, I locked myself in a room with him when he was a kitten because it was the only way to, like, bond with him. Right. I stayed with him for, like, th- I just put a bunch of books in the room and cat food and a litter box. And I'm like, you and me, dude, we're hanging out. <laughs> and when I come near him, and he'd be like... <laughs> He'd just jump on the walls, and, like, you'd never seen anything like a feral kitten. I, I mean, he was really little, too. Just a couple months old. And, uh, when but when I would get to him and pick him up, he would start purring. Like, finally, somebody loves me. It's like... Like, Aww. but then when you put him down... <laughs> Like, oh. the same cat, would just yeah. be f- because his brain yeah. was programmed yeah. from the time he was a little baby. Yeah. And there was not a lot he could do. I couldn't say, that cat's an asshole. Right. Well, no, that fucking yeah. cat was born under an apartment building, you know? And his mom was, like, running away from traffic and trying to eat rats or whatever the fuck they could kill.
1: Yeah. Well, I think this is one of the reasons why game thinking is so powerful, because you just zoom out and see the bigger structure. Yes. That it's, it's, there's always a bigger game and more pieces at play, and you're getting... Other people's, you know, strategies or actions or, or you know, or the rules, you know. Um, and being able to zoom out and see that makes you feel, I think, will you have more perspective, more wisdom, and maybe more compassion for other people. That's
0: also why people like to, rightly so, criticize very narrow-minded, small-town thinking. Yeah. Small, little environments, insulated right. environments that are very you know very critic criticizing or very you know just just have their their way set and they don't have a wide variety of experiences they can draw upon or they don't have a broad nuanced view of the board that they're playing on
1: yeah so this is like this is giving me a lot of a lot of food for thought about i mean the links between social change and gameful thinking there's something there.
0: There's something there. I think also as time is going on, and uh, this is one thing, the the positive aspects of social media and of the Internet itself, is that we're getting more and more information. Instead of just accepting these preconceived notions that we have about different groups of people, now we're being exposed to so much data. It's just inadvertently or uh, inarguably changing the way we view those groups and that you're forced to like when you see like this black lives matter thing you see all these peaceful protests where these people are talking eloquently and speaking and showing video after video of police brutality and then i've had i had a cop on michael wood who was a baltimore retired baltimore Uh police officer that talked about very openly talked about the institutionalized racism and about how they had found uh, papers from the 1970s that were describing how to behave in certain environments that were exactly the same as mm-hmm. what's going on now. It's wow. like, this is a fucking system.
3: Yes, it's a this system. Is a si-. and That's right, yeah.
0: th- I don't think that attitude existed just a few years ago. I yes. think people are looking at all that data now and yes. they go, it's slowly coming around and even the hardliners are dropping you know, if they were at a 10, now they're at an 8 or a 7. Well, Fucking kids you need to go to go to school or something. You know, it's like everyone is sort of slowly recognizing the pieces. That are in play it's a lot more complicated than we want to you know just narrowly sort of define them in these these really simplistic terms where it's not simple there's a a series of interactions that are going on all over the globe where human beings are trying to find their way and they're also realizing somewhere along the line that their parents weren't these all-knowing creatures neither were their parents neither were the President Roosevelt or fucking Abe Lincoln. They were all people that were trying to find their way as well. And this is a group effort. It's a group effort that's still going on. And it's not even remotely done. It's not even close.
1: Yeah. So it's okay. So instead of seeing the bigger picture, we will see the bigger game. And that will be... That will guide us.
0: Yes, bring it all right back <laughs> to super better. All right, you got to get out of here. You got to catch a flight. It. So thank you very much. Oh, um, I love it. I'll put your video up on Twitter, and we'll put your the link to your book, which is available right now. Right.
1: Uh, well, it drops next Tuesday, but you can buy it now.
0: Oh, you can buy it now, and yeah. you, but you can get it next Tuesday. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank really, you, really Jeff. appreciate it. All right. And uh, what's your Twitter address again?
1: It's Avant Game, A V A N T G A M E. You can just search for my name, Jane Games. It'll come up.
0: All right. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Awesome time.